welcome once again to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the USA, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you? I'm well. Very good. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Excellent. Mike, how are you? I'm fine, Phil. How are you on this fine Memorial Day? Doing well, doing well. Can't complain. Uh, you went to a barbecue, you said? Yeah, to, birthday too? It, yes, today is uh, not just uh, Memorial Day, it's my father's birthday. Also happens to be Geek Pride Day and the uh, anniversary of the release of the first Star Wars film. Anyway, uh, so yeah, went to a nice little family barbecue and uh, left when the joke started getting racist. So, Okay, I won't <laughs> ask anything. Uh, now, uh, Eric, what about yourself? Are you doing barbecues? Go anywhere? Nope. Did you go to the Waffle House? It's not a Waffle House. It's a pancake, pancake house. Did you go to the Pancake House? <laughs> I do this every time. <laughs> yes, I did. Is, is this is this your holiday tradition? Is to it's, take it's the cats to the Waffle House? It's what's around the corner, <laughs> and it's a Pancake House, not a Waffle House. It's it's what's around the there's corner. Such, is it, there's such a world of difference. Is it? A, it it's what's around the corner. Is that a cat house? <laughs> no. Now, uh, Eric, you do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. Uh, it's a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Stitcher and on the iTunes store. And, Mike, you do a genre book? Uh Yes, that's Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. And, uh, Mike, you do another podcast? I do. <laughs> I mean, it's the, I do dark discussions with the two of you. Oh, and what's that all about? Explain <laughs> Have you not been paying attention over the last four years? We actually just passed our our fourth anniversary of the Dark Discussions podcast, where we discuss primarily horror films of recent vintage, but occasionally we dip uh, back into the archives for older films, and sometimes we'll go for things that aren't exactly horror films. For instance, this year, uh, this year's uh, Ex Machina or Ex Machina, or however you pronounce it. Uh, we did that, uh, and I think that's more of a science fiction film. Uh, but movies and, uh, Predestination was another interesting science fiction film, but a lot of things that are, that are genre related have some sort of a typically dark theme. Oh, and, and, uh, the Mad Max for your road, right? And, uh, Mad Max. I had Mad Max for your road, yes. We, we, uh, we did that too. Although that's not released yet, is it? Along with, but it probably will be released, or might be released around the time this is. Uh, and we did the entire Mad Max trilogy, which, I believe you have just released, uh, so people interested in listening to that should be fine. Yep, that's right. And uh, that's www.darkdiscussions.com, which actually is the homepage for You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. Because uh, it's the sister podcast to Dark Discussions. And me, Mike, and Eric are on both of the podcasts. And they are able to be found at www.darkdiscussions.com as well as on Stitcher. And iTunes and Dark Discussions podcast also has, you know nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast in the feed, but you can also subscribe to, you know nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast with its own feed. And, uh, we also have a Facebook group called Dark Discussions podcast, which is also for, you know nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. And, we do have an email as well. Uh, folks can email darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and hopefully they will because we would be curious to hear your opinions of what's going to happen coming up in the Game of Thrones as well as what you folks think 
uh, of the divergence from the books. And does it even matter? Because they are both um, their own artistic, uh, I guess, arti- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Artistic what? Expression? Sure, there we go. I, I don't know what the word you're looking for is. <laughs> well, Interpretation, uh, telling, uh, narrative, lots of shit you could answer there. That's right, that's right. And in theory, based off of how Game of Thrones is going, you could argue that Game of Thrones isn't a true adaption of the books, but a uh, reimagining of the books. Well, it's an adaptation, it's just not a... 100% faithful. It's beginning and getting less faithful with each passing book, but uh, I think Eric has already explained how he feels about that. Well, I would say it's, it's, the first two seasons are pretty faithful, and then it starts to get a little dicey third season, then, uh, from there it just goes off the rails as far as, uh, staying true to the books. Right. Therefore, they've, uh, adapted it. As you said, Mike, that was a good word. And, uh, the showrunners have adapted it to, uh, their own imagining, and uh, so far, it's you could argue it's probably more popular than books. But again, well, well, actually, I, books probably wouldn't they, even be as popular as they were if it wasn't for the show. Well, yeah, and the truth is, like I remember, uh, like you know, I'm a giant comic book nerd, and I get comic book people will complain about changes to the comics because of the films, and they fail to understand that the the film audience, even if the film bombs or a TV show bombs, it tends to have at least ten times the audience. That, you know, the highest selling comic book series does. So when you're simply talking about exposure and faithfulness, well, the reality is there's far more audience and therefore money to be grabbed, uh, by focusing on and changing things for films and TV than there is to staying faithful to a reading source that the vast majority of the general public won't bother ever reading. Well, and uh, to be clear, Mike said I've already made it clear how I feel. For anybody who's just tuning into this episode, uh, how I feel is that I'm actually really enjoying the fact that they're diverging from the books because books four and five were really, really slow. Yeah, and and I, I I've not read the books, but I know uh, going from internet chatter that that is a widespread opinion that books four and five were, for lack of a better term, not up to par. Mm-hmm. And I am thinking now, as I'm thinking more about it, and now were four and five the two that were split? Yes. Okay. So as I was thinking about the season in the last couple of days, I think that's really kind of what's hurting it is that in the past they did a very good job of balancing out storylines. Mm-hmm. You know, and with each episode and pacing the storylines or did a better job of they're not doing quite so good a job with it this season. And part of it is because they're combining storylines that were not combined, right, from two separate books. Well, but they're at the same time, they're kind of taking a similar approach, which is then you don't get every character in every episode, uh, which is how they did books in four. You got one set of characters in book four and another set of characters in book five. Uh, so they're kind of doing that. Uh, with the fact that they just leave some storylines out of an episode completely along the way in season seven. Or, sorry, are we s- still season six? <laughs> five. Season five. What the hell's going on? Where am I? Who are but you? Guess, <laughs> What's this strange what, voice coming out of my computer? But I guess what I'm saying is that this has left a lot of people kind of frustrated because, you know, there's storylines happening that, 
I guess in terms of the pacing of the season, right? Yeah. Where you left, you're leaving things go for a long time, or you're getting a short snippet of say Tyrion sitting in a boat that goes nowhere, mm-hmm. um, and they're just not balancing out. And I think when we get to tonight's episode, there was an interesting structure to tonight's episode that I don't recall seeing before. Um, well, and I, I get that at the same time, having read the books, I can tell you it's moving a hell of a lot quicker than the books did. Well, and the other argument that some people would say though is yes, it's maybe moving quicker, but it doesn't mean it's actually still entertaining. Uh, so <laughs> I find it entertaining. I do too. I just, I can understand some of the complaints. I think not all of them, uh, but, and I think we've we've agreed that the Sand Snake storyline has not been well served so far. Right. Yeah, and to be honest, I have not read um the last four three three books or whatever it is. Um and so I don't even know if the Sand Snake storyline was any good in the books either. So I, I wouldn't know. Eric, you would probably be better to serve to speak on that behalf. But I do want to say that for those folks who haven't read the books, such as self Mike and again, I've only read the first book and a half. Um, the books really are inconsequential, in my opinion, whether or not it's a good show or not. It's just like, for example, many people never read the, the book The Godfather by Mario Puzo, but they love the film. And so those folks who know the changes from the book can complain and gripe all they want. But again, we're talking, as we were discussing right before this conversation, uh, the Game of Thrones the TV show is its own adaption and its own, uh, what's the word again, Eric? Interpretation? Interpretation by uh, the two showrunners. So uh, wh- why would I care about some character that's gone or been changed or a storyline that's whatever when I never read the book, so it doesn't affect me anyway? Good question. Why would we care? Good night. <laughs> So, well, I think, and I've mentioned before, I think if we imagine if, you know, Jaws was made in the internet era and, you know, you'd have people complaining before the film ever came out, uh, you know, and they'd be complaining about how they completely dropped the romantic subplot between, uh, Brody's wife and, uh, Hooper. Uh, and Hooper, you know, it's, which really is not what anybody wants to see when they see a Jaws film, except, of course, the people who love the books, which, you know, were much smaller in numbers compared to one of the highest grossing films of all time. Yes. Yep, exactly. So, so yeah, so whatever. I mean, we're going to have the, the show haters because they're book snobs, and you're going to have, and again, nothing against folks who want, want a true adaption of their uh, beloved books, but, I mean... Again, it's it's different people who are creating the TV show than the author of the novels himself. He's just an executive producer. And as we've seen with some of the Harry Potter movies, uh, when the author uh, asked to have as much as included as possible, um, they've had some, some bogged down parts of those movies, no matter how beloved the, those movies are. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried. Very good. All right, so let's move on. Uh, this episode here, the new Game of Thrones, which is episode seven, I believe, right? And it is called The Gift. Uh, it's directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who this will be his uh, is his first of two episodes. Again, they're doing back-to-back uh, episodes by one director. 
uh, Michael Sapochnik. Uh, some of the interesting things that he's done is he was the storyboard artist for Danny Boyle's film Train Spotting, and he's done a number of directorial efforts for other television shows, including uh, one episode of Fringe, one episode of Falling Skies. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, two episodes of Fringe and one for Falling Skies. So uh, he's he's uh, not uh, a big name by any means, uh, but he has some experience. Uh, working in both uh, uh, Hollywood as well as the UK. He is a British uh, citizen, so he uh, started, uh, as I stated, with uh, Danny Boyle. Um, also, uh, the writers for this episode, uh, we got the showrunners again, David Benoit and D.B. Weiss. I believe that's pronounced Benioff, just for future reference. Oh, very good. Thank you. Um, and uh, so, yes, uh, that was uh, the people behind the show uh, for, or I should say, the episode. And um, I guess since we were talking about what happened to Sansa, and that's actually the first scene of the episode, right, Eric? Uh, I don't think it is. No, it uh, <laughs> no, we get we get to see the Castle Black first. Oh, you're right. Yes, with John. Yes, <laughs> but she's she is one of the first scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, they, they do they do the north right. Yeah, off. they start in the north with with Castle Black, and the first the first thing we get is uh, Giant's Bane getting released from his shackles, uh, and John's going to go up north with him to try and get all the uh, the free folk to come down south of the wall, and uh, Sam says goodbye to him and gives him some dragon glass in case he runs into White Walkers. Uh, and then, um, does this happen an hour later? It well, it happens. doesn't matter. We can, we can talk about the entire... Well, uh, the, the, okay, let's talk, just get Castle Black done with. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Aemon, uh, Targaryen is dying. Um, and so what happens is that John goes north, and then Aemon Targaryen dies, uh, and there's actually a, I thought it was a pretty touching, uh, funeral for, for Eamon. Um, but then, uh, who is the dude? Who's the, who's the ass? Who's, who's now the, the first ranger? What's his name? I forgot. Oh, uh, oh, uh, Alistair Thorne, isn't it? Alistair Thorne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Alistair Thorne is there at the funeral. And after they, after Sam gives a pretty touching eulogy for, for Eamon Targaryen, uh, they light his pyre. And then uh, Alistair Thorne goes, all your friends are dying, Charlie. I was like, oh, man, what a dick. <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta remember when John takes off with uh, Giant's Bane to go to uh, uh, where, the, where the, uh, the free folk are, uh-huh. uh, he actually says to Jon Snow that, you know, basically in quote-unquote more polite words, you're an idiot and this is a terrible idea. And you and all we've done uh, over these years, and you're destroying it all. In other words, actually, he said some pretty damn close to that. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So yeah, it's not like he's hiding his feelings. And I do uh, like the fact that while we talked about how uh, John handled things well politically after he got elected by making him first ranger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, um, after threatening, sort of jovially teasing him that he might have to clean, you know, build the new new, new latrines, uh, yeah. that he still. Isn't he hasn't changed who he is? He yeah, hasn't become a, a different. Well, he's still a prick, but it, most importantly, he's still sticking to what I would imagine are his his honest principles, right? That is, 
and they may be the principles of a prick, but they are his. And that is that, you know, we shouldn't be giving any quarter to, um, to these nasty folks. Yeah, but you know what, Mike? I think you have one, one flaw in that point, and which is he hates Jon Snow as a human being just as he hates Sam Tolley as a human being. Oh, and, and so, right. Right, and that's also part of it. I'm not saying that he, he didn't suddenly become best friends with John and Sam just because he got named First Ranger. Right, and, and he's still a prick, even, and he's still sticking to being a prick. Right. So everything you say about his principles and sticking to them are generally correct, because you could argue a lot of his points were legitimate, especially when they had the, the battle uh, at the Black Wall. Um, in last episode, uh, episode nine of season four. four, but, but the problem as, as we see is he also has a stubborn streak or you could even actually say, uh, um, evil or mean streak based off of what you said, Eric, what he said to Sam, mm-hmm. uh, especially at a funeral for crying out loud. It was a disgrace to say that at a funeral. And, and so he doesn't have any. In other words, he's a type of person that no matter what, he's never, ever, ever, ever going to change and like Sam or like John, even if they do a good job, because he just hates. In other words, something is more powerful than wisdom for, for this character. Right, and well, that, like that, Jon Snow is an ass and, and Sam is a, a weak, sniveling crybaby uh, are two of his principles. I'm not saying I agree with them. You know, it's, they're two of his beliefs. Like I said, he, he has remained true to who he is. They, you know, John may have diffused things slightly uh, for the moment. Or at, or at least, you know, temporarily, right? Exactly. Yeah, temporarily. But he, like, he hasn't, he hasn't, again, he is, he is who he is and he will remain that way. And that's believable. That's true. So anyway, so, and I did like listening to, um, Master Eamon talk about, uh, about Egg, who is baby Aegon Targaryen, also known as the Mad King, who we all know would grow up to burn people to death horribly and try to, to destroy the, every single living soul in, <laughs> in King's Landing. And again, that's one of the nice things that goes back to Game of Thrones that every character, uh, is basically a person. Every character has, uh, even if they're an asshole, uh, they have um, a spot. They have a spot, but well, and they, well, Aemon we all love, but it's also you know even the Mad King. It reminds us the Mad King, just as Cersei was, just as um, Alistair is was. They were all at some point a baby. Somebody loved them. That there are good characters that can love the despicable characters. Um, you know, like for example, I don't, I'm not fond of Bruce Bolton, but, uh, I don't think he's as bad as his son is. Right. Um, but I think there might be some genuine affection there. I think that Stannis loves his wife as much of a crazy bitch as she might be. Um, and quite frankly, I'm concerned about what she's going to end up doing in future episodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, again, it adds, it takes a character we've never met and add a little bit of depth and humanity to them. Uh, no, that's that's a fair point. Um, I, I, you know, we don't know the true story behind the Mad King. Um, it appears that he was a, somewhat of a tyrant. Uh, whether a lot of this is gross exaggeration or not, I'm I'm not really sure. I guess we would have to read um, the George R. R. Martin and the World of Fi- Ice and Fire uh, Compendium book, or or even maybe the regular books for that matter may explain it a little better. Um, but 
either way, uh, he was overthrown and, and uh, killed by uh, specifically, um, I think, uh, Jamie Lannister. So uh, he's no longer with us. And the interesting thing, too, Mike, in that scene when Master Eamon is talking about the egg, he also says to Gilly and Sam to take the baby far away as soon as possible because the winter is coming and mm-hmm. uh, the sooner you get out of here the better because once winter comes everybody's doomed and again this is one perspective because we're looking at the Westeros perspective we, we don't know anything about the White Walkers and if they are in my opinion I still don't know if they truly are evil or not I don't know if they're going to be <laughs> the, the bad they're nice zombies well, well, we don't know. We, I don't know anything. They, maybe they look at the Westeros people as a threat to their humanity or their their monstrosity, whatever you want to call it. They <laughs> okay. may be good. Do, do you think they're going to show up and open up a box of Bud Light and go, "Hey guys, want a party?" Well, well then again, you, you sometimes you, you do have to fight what you consider a threat to you. And they may consider the wildlings, which are humans. Never mind everybody on the other side of the wall, which are as an evil threat, we, you know. So they may; it just may be a perspective. We don't know, right? So uh, I also just wanted to point out that uh, looking at the uh, inside the episode little clip on uh, HBO Go today, uh, the showrunners made mention of the fact that this is the first person in Game of Thrones that has died of natural causes. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so all you people that's pretty that remarkable when you think about how many people have died yes yeah, so all you people who don't want to see terrible things they shouldn't be watching this show that's for sure well i don't know i think it's pretty natural to die when your head gets cut off <laughs> i never i, I never I, did I, quite I, understand that phrase natural causes but it's okay I, I believe it means uh not from the hands of someone else yeah i know uh, uh, so uh so Maester Eamon is no longer with us. Uh and you want to just do the rest of the class of black stuff now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So then later there's a scene where um Gilly is off doing what is she doing? Laundry or something? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. So she's doing laundry and uh two guys. Who are these dudes? I know we see them around, but I don't they, know their names. Are, are they called, important? They are called red shirts. They're called what? Red shirts. Oh, red shirts. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they're just two random uh, Knights of the Watch. Um, pretty much corner Gilly, and they're like, hey, here's a chick. Let's have our way with her. Uh, and Sam shows up and says, get your hands off of her. Uh, and they're like, oh, look, it's the Slayer. Uh, and then proceed to kick the shit out of Sam, like, badly. Uh, and then... He refuses to stay down. He gets back up and says, take your hands off of her. And then they're really about to go to town on him when a ghost, uh, John Snow's direwolf shows up and kind of puts the fear of God into him and they run off, uh, and everything ends up being okay. Right. And let's just finish the, the rest of the, the Sam and Gilly story, and then we'll we'll discuss these two Sams. Right. So uh, Sam ends up he's he did get beaten quite badly, uh, and so Gilly's taking care of him while he's in bed and patching his wounds and such. Um, and then <laughs> basically, um, I guess out of being grateful for his love and protection or whatnot, 
she basically has sex with him. Well, we knew that they loved each other anyway, and this was probably going to eventually happen, assuming Sam agreed to break his vows as uh-huh. Watchmen. So I would say it's more of boy loves girl rather than a reward for protecting me. Well, uh, I think it's both. I think the I think the one prompt she's loved him all along, but it's what eventually is a trigger that gets her to take the next step. And what happens is that she 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 asks Sam. She says, "Please make sure whatever happens to me, you take care of little Sam." And he says, "Okay." And then she proceeds to take care of little Sam. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> um, but here's. Um, I think this works really well. Not to go back to this, this works very well in con. It, it, it could be Big Sam, you don't know. Yes, well, <laughs> this works. Very, this works. This works very well in contrast to uh, to contrast the Sansa scene, right? Mm-hmm. In that you have a consummate a consummation act, which causes a little bit of pain, uh, but it's done with first of all the woman in control, uh, and it's also done with with kindness and tenderness. Uh, and it's done as an act of kindness, uh, and as opposed to an act of 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 control and cruelty. Uh, so it works well there. Again, it's as after a week of debating the whole Sansa thing to have another sexual assault in the, in, in the next episode, or, or almost assault. It's like, uh I do think it's good though to remember that it, we we tend to root Jon Snow as a good guy. The people on the wall, you know, it's uh, God bless those who serve, except these are all rapists and thieves and murderers by by and large, right? And we, right. it does help. It does help to remind us every now and then that as much as we are on their side, they are not generally good people. At least right. a percentage of them. Not a large uh, number of n- them. N- the vast majority of them are are, are uh, criminals of some sort. Uh, right, because when, when you saw, uh, who was it that was rounding up back in season one, they were uh, in season one and season two, they're rounding up, uh, members of the black, mm-hmm. right? So they weren't saying, please send me to your prestigious boarding schools. Right. I mean, there, uh, has, been, there has been exceptions, for example. Yeah, um, but they are exceptions. Meister, well, well, you know, because we got Meister, the Meister, right? What's his name? Meister Aegon. Amen. Amen, right? We have, we have Ben J. Stark. We have mm-hmm. Jon Snow, um, we have Ollie, you know, so, so we have people that have joined that aren't. But yes, the majority of the folks have been those who have committed a, some sort of crime or were, whether it's even something as silly as just being a vagrant to uh, actually rapists and murderers, uh, are given quote unquote second chances by being spared prison and, and execution by signing up for the wall. Right. So, uh, and that's pretty much where we leave the North, right? Well, let's talk about this. Uh, this is one of the, the flaws I've noticed in season five. And it's not necessarily the, the merging of stories. And again, I haven't read the book, so I'm, I'm fairly, um, enjoying most of the storylines, even though we'll discuss the, the Dawn problem, uh, later. But, um, a lot of things aren't answered correctly. And this episode here has a few of them. One is this one, which is, Ghost comes in, scares away the potential rapists, and then he like just disappears. Well, he's a ghost. 
it, well, I, but they, they don't discuss it. They don't say, oh, that, you know, it's almost like he appears, they wrote it in to end the scene. And He's then, a ghost. And then they just forget about it as if it never happened. If, <laughs> you would That's think the answer. Be, He's a ghost. You would think there'd be some discussion um, or something, and, and it was just bizarre how... Well, unfortunately, they've done this from the beginning, where the wolves have been there and not been there according to convenience and budget. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the dire wolves, they're, they're basically filming uh, the actual wolves, like in L.A., and on a green screen, and then superimposing them later on in, in larger size. But I don't, I don't uh, even think it, it was is that. Even if Ghost doesn't appear in the next continuation scene, you would think they would at least discuss it or, or something. And it was well, just, I don't know what they were supposed to discuss because uh, he does say, "Well, thankfully, Ghost was there." Well, another thing that made me confused is when Gilly is helping Sam while he's unconscious on the floor. She doesn't look over. They didn't do a shot of Ghost looking on or something. It was like he just disappeared. Like you well, because it, it cost some money. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. And unfortunately. I've been noticing too much of these continuity errors, I guess, and at least that I consider it that. Well, no, and you're not wrong. It, 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 he did, he did show up and then disappear abruptly. That, that did happen. <laughs> so it's, it's just, just I, don't, I don't care. That's all. <laughs> well, it's also, but it's also something the wolves have a habit of doing. Uh, they come in, save the day and then walk off or vanish or disappear, never to be heard from until they're needed again for the next episode. Fair enough. Um, now I, I know some. I haven't read this or even seen this, but I was I was possibly thinking it, that maybe this was going to be Bran had had um, warged into it, or maybe someone else did. Um, but again, that was just uh, something that I thought mm. could have been a possibility, but they did not show that. So it was just an interesting uh, guess by me that appears. Uh-huh. To me. So now, is there something? Because now the the watch doesn't have a ma- uh, maester, meister, that's right. What have you? So the the only one that seems suitable for that that's there would be Sam. But you have to go to maester school, right? And so is that going to take him out of? The, so is that seems like an unreasonable solution then at this point in the show? Well, you know what? It it still could possibly happen, though. I could see them just skipping over it. As they've done with the King's Guard, where people who are supposed to be part of the King's Guard suddenly aren't. Um, so they may just go with it and say that he's now the new maester without going to training. I don't know. Well, it's sort of like, like the hand, right? Every time we've lost a hand, the hand of the king, not a Lannister <laughs> right. hand. But every time, the, then you, you just have to go, you, you're the new hand, and you've got a new hand. Right, and we could step it, and we can pass it to Tyrion, we can pass it to Tywin. And I don't even know, is there a hand now? There is not. Uh, uh, Cersei sa- uh, said that there would be no hand until... Until Tom uh, turns 18. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. me- meaning she's going to be the-, the leader for the next you know, year and a year, basically. So I, think- <laughs> I don't Maybe. think so. Yeah. I don't think so, but that's another part of the episode. Right, right. <laughs> but that was her intention. Right. Yes. Okay, so all right, so there's there's clearly a need now. Maybe he could fill the same sort of role without actually becoming a maester, right? You know, I guess that's a possibility. Which, which to be honest, he's he's kind of already has. I mean, I mean, I don't know what a maester actually really does because we've never really been. They're wise. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's all the show really has told us is maesters are wise and went to school to become wise. But well, right, visually, the 
everything the, Sam's done has been wise. You know, he does book research. He's studied. He's you know all these things. He knows how to use the crows. On and on. Basically, he doesn't have the diploma, and the, from my understanding is for the maesters, the diplomas are the chains. That's right. Right. You get right. you get a you get a diploma in smithing. You get an iron chain. You get a diploma in right. magic. You get the yeah. You, you get the badges. Except instead of badges, you wear these heavy chains. And really, somebody should have thought that one through. <laughs> so, uh, any further things we want to discuss about the wall? Uh, obviously, the question is: Will John be? The question, John's taking yeah, a risk. Well, let me ask you this: Is John? I forget the uh, the uh, follow up previews. Did they show John coming up? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, they oh, yeah. All right. So unlike Baelish and everybody else who takes a whole episode to get somewhere and they disappear for a whole episode, it appears that John can get to wherever he's going in less than an episode. Right. Okay. Or maybe at the end of that episode, because we go from the beginning of this episode to the end of the next. Maybe that's how it finishes off. I do think John had to like, like what would have to smack Sam. It's like, Sam, I'm leaving. And Sam goes, Oh wait, here's some dragon class in case you needed it. It's like, Oh shit, Sam. You know, you know what? I'm, I'm this is about. this is Chekhov's gun. If you didn't show it to me, if you didn't give it to me, I wouldn't need it. <laughs> now that you did, we're going to be attacked by by ice race when we get there. Now I'm I'm curious. Um, is John Snow stupid? Because no one is no one no one, I mean, his number two hates his guts and he knows it. The number two thinks he's completely wrong and he knows it. Does, is he that stupid that he's going to? He's think, not like, stupid. He's a visionary. But, but uh, like leaving without any. <laughs> basically, it's like like some dictator uh, going to uh, across the world for a summit without uh, leaving anybody behind that is loyal to him. So when he gets back, he just get, he's not going to either be. Well, no, and back. I, I considered that too. There could be a revolt while he's gone. We'll see what happens. Okay, right. He did remember. He did win the election, and right. by slim margin. But I'm also thinking that whoever voted for Captain Redshirt, whatever his name was, yep. yeah, right, and who I'm going to guess was the third place finisher. Yeah, right. I, I have to think that they're less likely to support an overthrow, so I still think they might have some of the numbers on their side. The real question is how many of John's people will turn against him because he's because he wants to Well that's what uh, I was gonna say. He didn't make an run alliance. On, he didn't run on the platform, vote for me and we'll join with the wildlings. Uh that happened later and I'm sure some of the people that voted for him aren't too happy with that plan either. Right. And again we're talking about you a bunch of thieves and criminals. I mean, how much loyalty do they really have anyway? Right. Well, and, uh, yeah. So, however, they're a bunch of short-sighted thieves because really, uh, I mean, I understand that John's taking huge risks here and I understand that he may not be handling this in the best manner, but there is really no best manner at this point. He's in a desperate situation right now. He needs some fucking troops, and he needs them now, or they're all going to die. Is basically right. what it comes down but, to. But but these troops aren't joining. I mean, these wildlings aren't really going to be joining the Black Watch to help, right? That's the plan. The no, plan is for them to just... fight the White Walkers together. But they're not oh. going to join the Watch. No, they're not going to be part of the right. Night's Watch. No, right. But, right. But here's be the thing: together. Right. Here's the thing: we keep saying there's a, it's a bunch of murderers. Or th- it's a small bunch, right? We're down to about fifty. Yeah. 50, right. Mm-hmm. So, if John goes north, he meets with the um, with the wildlings, or the free men, uh, who I want to point out are probably not a bunch of rapist murderers and thieves uh, in, in the same proportion. 
Um, cannibals. Well, <laughs> we know one tribe is cannibals. So he's got one of two things. He's going to go there. He's going to make a proposal that you join with me and we will have peace. Or he's going to go there and say, will you join with me and we'll have peace. And then he's going to get killed. Right. And if it's the second thing, then it really doesn't matter who he, that he left Alistair in charge because he would end up being probably the, the, the winner of the next election anyhow. Right. And if he does get the agreement, then he's going to be coming back to the wall with an army of whatever it is, a million and three um, wildlings. And when he says, Alistair, get your ass out of my chair, that's mine. And by the way, do you see my friends behind me? He, he's not going to really have much of a choice. Right. That's that's assuming that you think they're going to be loyal to Jon Snow when they may just be loyal to the fact that, okay, we can get on the other side of the wall and settle there. Because that was the original plan that he said to Giants Bane, which mm-hmm. was, why don't you bring your, your all your people, including women and children, to this area of near the wall, as you said, Eric, that's mm-hmm. owned by the Black Watch, to settle there because then you can um, – be safe from the the walkers or the others or whatever you want to call them. And then if they do attack, um, you know, you'll, you'll, we'll need your help. And, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't think he, I don't, I, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of people in that, in the watch who are going to look at an, uh, John fronting an army of a million or so wildlings and go, yeah, I'm standing up against them. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't even think, again, I don't think, it's an army. It's just uh, basically, it's just a displacement of uh, people from one area to another. Is what I thought it meant. I didn't think it was actually a, f- a force or an army. The only reason he's interested in getting them on the other side of the wall is so they could fight against the wa- White Walkers with them. I thought it was to get them away from the White Walkers, and so they wouldn't turn into whites. That's well, part of that's it. an added advantage. <laughs> Okay. All right. So it's anyway. a couple of things. It's also the you know I'm protecting the realms of men. They fit, but yeah. they were just organized into a large army, right. and he wants all of them, including the non-army part of the of the wildlings, to come down. But I'm just saying it's going to be really hard when he comes down with this massive force to right. to, to to suddenly say, oh, by the way, we rebelled and we kicked you out, and but what, especially what about this? when. Mike, what about this? If if he brings them over, they come over, and all that's f- fine and dandy, and then he heads back to the the wall where, where the fifty quote unquote murderers, rapists, and and pillagers live, and he doesn't have them with him anymore. The the wildlings, because I don't think he's bringing the wildlings directly back to the wall. So he's now well, they have to get over the wall. They have to get through. No, they're taking the ships, and they're going to go around the wall through the ships. Yes. Well, I'd still, I still imagine he's going to have a contingent of people with him, I would guess. But my point is, it, it, he's either coming back successfully, in which case it's going to be hard for him to lose his position, or he's coming back as a failure, in which case he's coming back in a box. Right. But yeah. my, my, my thing, though, is that even if he comes back as successfully, he's he just made more enemies because he allied with the the Wildlings and the 49 other people in the Black Watch, including the ones that like him, won't like him anymore because they don't want any... He's uh, already got line. those enemies. Yeah, so so I think he's doomed no matter what, whether he's successful or not. Well, we'll find out. 
Okay. Very well. So that's that's the the wall. Uh, any further things we want to discuss there, or, or should we we go to Winterfell? And, oh, uh, and Stannis. And Stannis. We should talk about. Yeah. That. Let's let's uh, let's go to Winterfell first, and then Stannis. Okay. Uh, Winterfell, uh, we start out with, uh, Reek bringing some food to Sansa and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Sansa's not, apparently Ramsey's been coming back and giving her the same treatment night after night since they got married. Uh, we, what else could a girl ask for? Um, so basically she's being kept prisoner in her bedroom. Uh, so that he can keep her in there and then come have her way, have his way with her when he wants. So she, when Theon comes and delivers the food, she tries to convince him to help her escape, uh, and tells him to take a candle and light it in the tower, like that old lady told her to if she needed help. Um, so Theon, um, of course, immediately <laughs> runs to Ramsay and rats her out, uh, because he's still not Theon at this point. He's Reek. He he, 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 I don't think he goes. He doesn't run to Ramsay to rat her out. He goes to the top of the tower to put the candle in the window and finds Ramsay waiting for him. Is that what it was? I thought he went straight to Ramsay to rat her out. No, I think he went to the top because he looks at the think, window. No, I thought I thought the tower was somewhere else completely because the tower is like off in the background when he's walking across the courtyard. Or I thought it was the same tower. Is that a different structure? Well, I think one of us is confused. I'm now confused as to which is which. Which one of us is confused? <laughs> all, right, okay. all, right, so re- all right. So repeat this. This is my understanding: is is that the tower that Bran fell from? Yeah. Um, Bran climbed it because Bran just likes climbing things. Yes. However, Jamie and Cersei's we're doing climbed, nasty up there. Right. They must have climbed up through this through a steer system. Right. So, what happens is is that they are trying to trick us, meaning uh, the director and screenwriters are trying to trick us to think that Theon is bringing the candle to that tower when, in fact, when he opens the door, he's suddenly in the tower where um, Ramsay lives. Exactly. And and I think the tower where he was supposed to take the candle and light it is, is, is like, not used anymore. Uh, it's, just, it's just sitting off to the side, kind of falling apart that's right um and ramsey's quarters are somewhere else and that's where he went and actually you're absolutely right eric because that was uh in the first episode of season one if i'm not mistaken i may be forgetful on this one but caitlin or catlin tells brian to stop climbing to towers specifically that one because it's unsafe because it is a, a ruin in a sense right anyway uh, Ramsey finds out that Sansa is trying to get away by signaling for help. So, uh, Ramsey does what Ramsey does, and, uh, <laughs> well, first he, uh, he takes Sansa on a little walk out on the castle and tells, tells her how happy he is that she's not ugly. Um, and then on the way back, okay, I need you guys to, to help me with something, cause I saw this happen. But I, I couldn't see what it was. On the way, they're on this walkway, and on the way back, Sansa is walking behind Ramsey, yeah, and picks she picks something up. What was it? I couldn't see. I know exactly what it was. You know what it was? It was Chekhov's gun. 
<laughs> right. that it was a, to kill. It was it was like the 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 bore the hand drill that you use to I guess get through the, the the cask of wine or whatever it is. Okay. All right. I just didn't know what it was. That's all. I saw her grab something and couldn't tell what it was. Sure. So she grabs that on the way back, and then uh, they they're having this conversation. And she actually gets kind of ballsy. Starts talking about bastards. Uh, she's like, "Hey." Uh, isn't your stepmother pregnant with a boy? And wouldn't he have a more legitimate claim on the throne since you're a bastard? <laughs> it's just like, whoa! I just, I was not expecting that. Yeah, she's uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, and, oh, uh, and then she goes, well, I was, I was given a decree by the king. And, she goes, and then she goes, yeah, another bastard. <laughs> It was awesome. It was awesome. But then I got to give it, credit. Because at this, at this point, at this point, she she probably is still thinking the candle was lit in the, in the window. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so he keeps his calm. I got to give him credit. He didn't go off, uh, but he says, "You know what? Bastards can go high in a world. Your your half brother's done well for himself up north. Uh, been promoted to uh, leader of the watch, and." Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, the reason I brought you out here is I want to show you something. Uh, check this out. And he takes her over to where he has flayed the old woman that told her to go light the candle. Uh, and he's like, what? You want to leave? No, 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 no. That's not happening. <laughs> so Ramsey is still Ramsey and flays somebody. Oh, that would be unpleasant. I think it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just thought. Yeah. And that was a kind of a creepy and disturbing scene. And along the way, he talks about, uh, cause this, this will lead us to the Stannis. And he does talk about Stannis's army marching south yeah. and how there is now the snow and the snow will slow them down and that their troops are better trained to fight in the snow and the cold. True. So, um, yeah, where that, this goes, oh, I just want to say one thing about Ramsey, which is that one, one of the reasons he's so despicable is every time he does something shitty like this, he gets this shit-eating grin on his face right afterwards. Like, Sansa walks away after looking at the flayed woman, and he just, he's so proud of himself. He's like, yeah, look what I just did. I just fucking destroyed her world. That was awesome. <laughs> He wins. Yeah, I mean, well, I just, well, again, and, and well, his comeuppance is going to be, uh, you know, as sweet as it was for Joffrey. Yeah, maybe assuming assuming yeah. he doesn't win the Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, I mean that, that's it's possible. Um, it'll be curious to see what happens to his character, and um, I, I hope I'm it's something not, horrible. I'm still not convinced it will be something horrible. I'm thinking. Oh, it, I want it to be something horrible. I think it could just be him dying and in, in, on the battlefield too. So because you know how how um, the show has been, it's very been always been somewhat unpredictable. Where we're thinking, okay, this is going to happen all the way to the end, and then something else happens. So I don't know. We'll I see. hope Sansa takes whatever she grabbed and buggers him with it. Buggery. <laughs> well, yes. now how bad is this for Theon's character? From the audience's perspective. Pretty bad. Because it's one thing, all right, yes, he'd been badly beaten and tortured and emasculated and all this for an entire third season. 
and we get that and brainwashed and and so forth. And then we we zoom in on his face at the end of last episode. We had to get Sansa assaulted to break him out of his reekiness, and yet he's he, he just thoroughly betrays her. Well, to be fair, he did try to warn her. Okay, first of all, he says. Uh, you know, when she's like, it can't be any worse. He's like, oh, never say that. It can always be worse. Uh, <laughs> and then she keeps on calling him Theon and he tries to warn her. He's like, I'm not Theon. I am Reek. I am Reek. So in his way, he did try to warn her and she trusted him with her plan anyway. Uh, all I'm going to say is that if, that if, if, if Ramsey tries to, uh, not Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey, if Ramsey tries to cut off her penis, he's going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. I, I liked um, the Theon character, you know, when he was normal. Um, he's done a lot of stupid things. Um, and based off of those stupid things, it has basically come to the conclusion by most people, the sh- showrunners, including jo- George Martin himself, want us not to like the character. Um, so now... Can he be redeemed? Maybe. I mean, Cersei's, not Cersei's, I'm sorry, Jamie has in somewhat been redeemed, even though he's a despicable person. Uh, what he did to Bran, what he did to the Carsten, um, children, as well as his own cousin while in prison with Rob Stark, never mind various other things. But at this point, um, it's appearing that they still want us to look at Theon as a you know, a piece of garbage. Well, and to be fair, I mean, he is a piece of garbage, but I got to give props to uh, Alfie Allen, the actor that oh, plays yeah, him. Fantastic. Actor. He, he's doing a great job of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I still like watching the character, similar to like I, why I like watching Ramsey Bolton for that matter is because the actors that play those two characters are just fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic actors. And they play their roles incredibly well. Um, and therefore they are very interesting characters, even if one is horrible, uh, yeah, evil and horrible. And the other <laughs> one is pathetic. So, well, and I think that's it is Theon is, is for me and how I interpret it is Theon is just a pitifully weak character and, you know, it all ties into his entire history, you know, and that he's been craving acceptance from a father that wasn't his taken away from the father who was, and the father who was, was an asshole. Um, well, and what I say about Theon back in season two, Theon isn't evil because he's evil. Theon is evil because he's stupid. He's stupid and weak. Yes, and that he, he's he's seeking he's seeking approval from the wrong people, and that encourages him to do stupid things in season two, right? Yeah, season two because he was tortured in season three, and you know what? All the stuff he does. A lot of it can be excused as, you know, as the, just the, you know, the fact that you're at war. And even going to invade, uh, Winterfell. But it's when he, he executes, um, I don't remember what the guy's name was, but the, the advisor. Oh, yeah. yeah. To the Stark family. Yeah, and the, then. The Stark, basically the Starks, uh, uh, head of, of the Knights. Right. And then when you, you subsequently, uh, you know, have a child killed to cover up the, your own incompetence or two children killed. <laughs> right. Um, you know, if he, if it, it, had he claimed, oh, we, we killed the children, 
Uh, that's one thing to say, we claim the children and look, here's two dead bodies to confirm we killed the, the, the Stark children. Uh, and these weren't like they dug up bodies from a grave somewhere. They killed two kids to do it. Uh, yeah, you know, you're a shithead. I'm sorry. Uh, you, you allowed yourself to be, to, because of appearances, be right. bullied into something you shouldn't have been. Right, right. So, I, again, no, this is, you know, TV and I could see, Maybe in the future episodes, him being coming a heroic character and a fan favorite, similar to how Jamie is now. But um, at this point, where we see where he is now, until we get there, um, it will be. It's kind of hard to believe that could be the case, but it wouldn't surprise me because we, I, like I've said in, in a, I think uh, maybe it was a dark discussions episode where um, Melrose Place there was a character. Uh, I forget the character's name, but he was a doctor. And he tries to kill people uh, as a doctor in in one season, and he was supposed to be the villain for the season. And then the, <laughs> right. the, the people liked him so much, to, uh, you know, the audience, that they wrote him in as a full time a character, and he became a good guy. And yet, yeah, and everybody forgot that one season where he tried to kill like four or five people, you know. So, <laughs> so here, same with Jamie Lannister, right? I mean, he did some pretty bad things for seasons one, mm-hmm. two, and three. And now, you know, everybody loves the character because he's, you know, he's, he's redeemed himself. He's buddies with Brienne and, and what, and Braun, two characters that everybody loves and, and whatnot. So it's possible. It's possible that Theon could be that. But at this point, it's hard to, to believe, um, because he's such a pathetic character. Right. And I think the difference to me with Jamie is that a lot of what Jamie does again, uh, it's that he's on the opposite side, right? He does things that are on the other side to help his family, even, uh, pushing uh bran out the window which was horrible uh but that was because if he didn't push bran out the window the little brat could go out tell everybody that jamie was shagging the queen and that would completely destroy his family it would probably result right. in his children being executed so himself no i don't think he felt all that bad about doing it so right. well mike that's but, a good point if i could interject he was he in that first episode of the season we were supposed to hate him and Cersei's. And the thing that makes his character more uh, uh, endearing is that he has turned from from being a bad guy on the bad guy's team to being somewhat of a good guy. And we like when a bad guy like Darth Vader or someone else turns to be uh, to a good guy. Mm-hmm. Theon was on the good guy's team right from the beginning, and he turns into Benedict. Benedict Arnold, and that pisses everybody off. So it right, be- J- Jamie saw a better way, and sort of is embracing it. Theon had, was shown a better way and turned his back on it. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, and I think that's what exactly you were trying to go at. I think, right? Yeah, exactly. That's it. Exactly. Is that 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 Jamie went in the right direction, and a lot of what he did, as bad as it was, I think is more is is somewhat justifiable. Um, given the context and given the fact that he's this, he's a frickin' Lannister. Right. Yep. 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 All right. So let's move on to Stannis. Uh, Stannis is marching towards Winterfell and, uh, Davos comes in and gives him some bad news, which is that, uh, 500 of his troops wandered off in the night. Um, so Davos is trying to talk him out of this march on Winterfell. He says, look, uh, the weather is getting worse. We're losing troops. We're getting weaker as we go. Don't forget the horses. Yeah, the, the horses. Uh, the horses are dying. This isn't going well. Let's just 
turn around and go back to Castle Black. Because uh, I don't think this is our time. And Stannis basically tells him, screw off. He's like, this is, this is the D time. If I, he's like, I retreated at Blackwater. If I retreat here, I'll be the guy that retreats. I'm not doing that. If we go back to Castle Black, we're stuck there all winter and God knows how long that's going to be. We're going to Winterfell, win or lose. And it's, and it's happening now. So Davos basically says, yes, your grace and scampers off unhappy. And then Stannis starts yelling at the witch. Finally, Stannis is starting to come to his senses and doubt this crazy bitch. She's a witch. Uh, she's a witch. Uh, he's like, yes, I've been listening to your witchy ways the whole time, but now I'm starting to have second thoughts. Why should I continue to listen to you? And she's like, well, because... Uh, look at my tits. Uh, <laughs> well, no, she does remind him. She says, well, you know, remember, I brought down, you know, the usurper... Uh, uh, what's his name? I was brought down the usurper, Rob Stark, and the usurper, uh, 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 Renly Baratheon, and, and Joffrey, and he never said, yeah, but what about the other leech, right? What would happen to the usurper, Balon Greyjoy? He seems to be pretty fucking fine, right? You know, it's... <laughs> nobody cares about him anyway. Yeah, but nobody, yeah, you're trying to, for, you're, you're trying to forget that we ever even had that story element going, didn't you? Yeah, right, uh, right. Yes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but she's like, oh, but the leeches won't do the trick now. And now, in order for you to fulfill your destiny, you have to sacrifice your daughter. He's like, what? You're a witch! Get out! <laughs> And, and that's the thing. We all knew this was coming. Based, I mean, I've heard so many podcasts, so many pieces on on the web from Forbes dot com to Entertainment Week, whatever, talking about this. And then they threw in, as Mike and I like to say, the Chekhov's gun by uh-huh. having him, ha- you know, have the lovely uh, moment with his his daughter. And then suddenly, there, the Red Witch finally does come and says, "Let's use her because she has royal blood, and we can." Do something fantastic to whatever. We don't. I don't even know what she plans to do with it. With killing, I, I don't know what her wholesale pitch there was. Yeah, let's just sacrifice your daughter. She's not that pretty anyway. She's got the grayscale. <laughs> and, and and so Stannis says, "Get out!" And so he throws out both of his advisors, which is probably the right thing to do. He should say, "What the hell with this?" And just do. I, I think Davos was giving him good advice. Well, yeah, I I mean, going back to the wall kind of would suck, though. Um, But either way, um, the witch is now in question. She's a witch! And um, pretty much now the thing is, is what's going to happen with Stannis and his daughter? Because the Chekhov gun, and, and it was telegraphed. But again, as I said a little while ago... This show telegraphs so many things, and then they pull a rug under us. So I don't know. I right. Don't know. Well, the the thing with the daughter, it's very much the the Walking Dead effect, right? Where you watch The Walking Dead, God forbid a character gets their own very special episode because they're dying at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, um, and and so the same sort of thing here. Oh, we we've given her his daughter some of the spotlight. She's some. There, there's a reason for it. She's gonna die. Right, just like, oh, we mentioned Grayscale for three episodes in a row. Can't imagine there's a reason for, oh. Uh Oh. Sorry. And, right, and so she's been talking, Blood of Kings, Blood of Kings, Blood of Kings, Blood of Kings, Blood of Kings. 
Hey, you, you know king. who's got the blood of kings? <laughs> <laughs> Your beloved daughter. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, there are really two more storylines to hit. One is, well, let's just fucking get the stand state bullshit out of the way. Uh, then talk about King's Landing. All right, and I'm I'm gonna. Well, no, no, you forgot one other. There's there's three because the third one is is Daenerys. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that one may arguably be one of the weaker ones. I think of the episode too, but that's it, yeah, it was. Okay, so let's 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 do the sand, the dawn stuff first, right? Oh God, uh, somebody else talk about this. I don't want to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Jamie is at dawn. He is uh, visited by his daughter, do- I mean niece. Um, <laughs> and yep. his, his and, daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and the niece comments how he has less hair than he used to, and he points out he also has less hands than he used to. Um, and basically says, well, we came to save you and take you away. And she says, but I want to marry him because he's the most handsomest and loveliest boy in all the world. Right. And you can't make Did me you- go. Did she remind you of of like eighty percent of your students? Eighty percent of your students that you would like to kick in the head, or or like Sansa? Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah. She, but you know what? She reminds me of a typical teenage girl, which is kind of what she should be. Right, an, an idiot, basically, because the the real picture, geopolitics, and all this other stuff, and all she cares about was he's going to marry me. Well, well, God, well, you know what? I uh, wish. I wish that all teenage girls had the ability to be brainless teenage girls and not have literally life and death decisions thrust upon their decision upon who to thrust with. <laughs> right? I mean, that that would be nice if that's that's all that was there. But she's in a situation where her life is not her own. Getting back to what we were saying about Sansa before. But right. but she but she thinks she it is and basically the life she has now is what she wants, but Jamie's trying to convince her. Well, yeah, but it's it's a fake life because of what we had to do to make a treaty and blah blah blah. And she says, "I don't give a rat's ass. This is what I like. And this is what I'm going to do." So she's Rob Stark. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And yeah. ja- and Jamie's just saying, "But listen, we have a nice Bolton boy you can marry." <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so so then we cut to what. Eric was getting at last week. Uh, we cut to the prison cells and find the sand sakes in one cell and, uh, Bron and Bron in, in another. And of course, it turns out that he was, uh, poisoned with a very slow acting, fast acting poison. Yeah, that was weird, but okay. Well, I, where, I've, I've read somewhere that, uh, uh, or, or heard on a podcast or something that, uh, the poison doesn't come into effect. Uh, as quickly, unless there isn't a, 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 a arousal. And that's what the point Oh, is. okay. And so that's, that's why she started stripping. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, because he seemed to be fine, you know, and then... Until he saw the boobies. Then and, then the boob- and then the boobies came, and Phil paused. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I, and I, I like the same. sat closer to the TV, and yes, it's... uh. I like the the dagger sand snake from now on. She's awesome. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> she must be the head of the Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and so Bron does a lot of penis thinking. Uh, uh, after this, after she basically shows power by 
using sexuality, and then uh, while he's dying of poison, uh, force him to to say things like, you know, you're the best and you're the most attractive, and blah blah blah. And she gets gives him the antidote. Do you actually think that's an antidote? Yes, or, I don't. I don't know. I think this and, whole thing was stupid. And yeah, and here's let's let's be honest. What's what's the whole point of this? We have Bron poisoned, which we didn't know technically happened until moments before he was not poisoned anymore. And when people talk about the sexual politics of the show, so what do we do? We've created a strong force of woman whose main desire is to get a pretty boy to tell her that she's pretty. Exactly. It's like, what the fuck? So I don't know what the next piece in this puzzle is. Well, again, though, I don't even know. Everybody's talking sexual politics, blah, 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 blah. But it's just a fucking show. So whether she's a strong woman because of this way or a strong woman because of some feminist thing from 1967 by Gloria Steinem or whatever, I don't think it matters because it's just a freaking show and she's just a strong woman. I mean, does it matter? Well, it's just, I, I just, for people who want to argue that I, I could see it, but the main thing is this, what happened to move this story along? Absolutely nothing. Right. Because we found out the whole scene with Braun and the Sand Snakes was to show that they poisoned him and then they cured him. Now, unless they're going to go... Which is useless. Why even do it if that's just going to be what happens? That's stupid. That's stupid. Ah! Sorry. I had to get that out of my system. Well, I, I mean, I question where they're going to go with this. Does this have something to do with... Um, yeah, you know, where Bron's loyalties are going to lie down the road because we do know that he was looking for a pretty bride. <laughs> uh, is there more to the boy, poison? She's, boy, she's pretty. And boy, she's pretty. Is there more to the poison that we don't know about or to the antidote that you, we don't know about? Um, you know, I, I don't know, but from, so this is one of those things where maybe in hindsight it will make sense. It, but right uh, now, I got some major fucking hindsight to put on us. Yeah, right now, all we know is that we had a whiny teenager. We got no real consequences yet or threat of consequences, really, to, to Jamie from, you know, the people he came to, to kidnap their hostage from. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. My, I don't know. My favorite I don't know part what the of this whole was. scene is that apparently Tyene is, is the name of the woman with the boobs, Phil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so apparently Tyene does this on a regular basis because as soon as she starts exposing herself, the other sand snakes are in the background rolling their eyes, and I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, I didn't notice that. No, that, that That is kind of good. Oh, yeah, oh, they're in the background going like, oh, not again. <laughs> That's because you were noticing something else. <laughs> yeah, well, Braun is cute. Okay. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why we, we've done, I don't know where the storyline is going. I'm waiting to find out what's going on here. This is sort of the, uh, the, the, the Kim runs into a cougar moment in Game of Thrones, if you ever watch 24, uh, where they just didn't know what to do with, with the character of Jack's daughter and she's like running through Los Angeles and there's a mountain lion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that seems to be where they are. They they really they really do not seem to have a clue with this. I'm hoping they prove me wrong. I'm hoping that this is all worth something. I did hear on the um, the, uh, the game of microphones podcast. They did mention that the scene last week uh, in the fight was held in like a public garden, so they didn't have a whole lot of time to film, which may be why it wasn't a particularly good scene. 
which of course makes you wonder why the hell they bothered filming there. <laughs> but in the end, whatever the reasons are that they don't work, the end is result is that they work or they don't work, and and this storyline is not entirely working. Although I, I kind of like. I like Ron too much to completely hate any scene that he's in. But in the bigger picture, what did we watch? We watched Ron get poisoned and then get unpoisoned. Right. Which all of which is dumb. Right. Well, <laughs> Eric, to be fair, the the whole I think I am being fair. Well, to be even more fair, <laughs> the whole Dawn storyline has been horrible anyway. The only parts that have been pretty good about the Dawn storyline uh, the bantering between Jamie and Braun, which generally is just fun, comedy, right? True, right? Never mind. Uh, what's her name again? What's the chick's name? What's, what's her name? Tyene. Tyene, and besides Tyene's uh, nice femininity, um, the, yeah, the, the whole Dawn thing is is just crap. It's yeah, crap. I agree. You know, so I mean, uh, you, you get some good eye candy, you get some fun moments but yeah the story is just uh yeah it's just, it doesn't make any sense it's like not even necessary they, they could have truly to be honest no matter how great the oberman martel storyline was in season four they could have eliminated that completely and not even have a martel family and it wouldn't even matter to the whole game of thrones so far. well and it seems like that right now and i've got to tell you if if, so, if this goes somewhere significant in the books i don't remember what it is uh so yeah i'm really not happy with the whole torrent storyline right now is it is it as lame as in the books uh, remember at the beginning of this episode well, i said jamie I, I don't... and bron don't go to dorn in the book so this is all just like what, what about right. the sand snakes in the books are they the sand snakes I, I... are in the book but i don't remember much about them but okay. given the fact that I was hearing people say, oh, wait till you meet the Sand Snakes, wait till you see the Sand Snakes, wait till you see the Sand Snakes, um, I have to imagine they did something cool in the books, or there was something good about them in the books, because right now this is sort of like Star Wars with, you know, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and Boba Fett comes in into Empire Strikes Back, and he stands around for a couple of scenes in the movie, and they said, oh, well, Return of the Jedi, wait till you see Boba Fett, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and then he gets bumped into by a blind man, and he falls in a pit. <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> Uh, it's 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 really just not working out for yeah. for for what's what people were hyping and, it up to be. Yeah, and we've wasted way too much time on this. Let's talk about yeah. King's Landing. Oh, no, no. Actually, what, I, I think we should talk about Danny first because yeah, Danny first, then King's Landing. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's your so, Ty- Tywin and and whatever Tyrion. Or- so Danny is uh, in bed with her boy toy. Uh, talking about politics and such, and he's all bummed that she's going to marry someone else. Uh, she's like, sorry, got to. And he's like, well, no, you could always just pull a Rob Stark and marry me instead. And she's like, ha, 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 you're a funny little man. I'm way too smart for that. Um, and he goes, well, then you should at least kill all the masters. She's like, what? No, I don't want to kill all the masters. He's like, you should probably kill all the masters. <laughs> That's basically my summary of that conversation. Yeah, uh, it, <laughs> what, what it, it brings to my point is, is that uh, Darius, whatever, what's his name? What's, that, what's the guy's name? Dario uh, Argento? No. Darius. What is it? Darius. It is Dario something, I believe. All right, well, whatever his name is, Darius is is basically what he was from the first moment we met him. 
which is he's a, a sociopath guy that I don't think you should trust because he's a guy that chopped off the heads of his co-leaders in season three or whenever it was when he was first introduced. Right. And then now he's just saying what any two-bit dictator banana republic guy would say, which is round up all the the enemies and off with their heads because we, we got to purge all the intellectuals and the military geniuses because they're threats to us. Right. So he's just a... He's not a good guy, is what, nope. in my opinion. Nope. He's just a piece of ass. What's your opinion? Right, and, and well, I think, first guy. of all, let me say, let me say that this again, I, I, this kind of highlights again the Sansa scene, right? Because here now you've flipped it around. Now you have the woman talking about how she's got a political marriage, and that that marriage will mean absolutely nothing, just as Sansa's marriage is a political marriage. The difference is, in this case, it's the woman who has the power. Um, uh, but I imagine she's still gonna have to boff him. Right. Uh, maybe only the one time to make it legal. Right. Well, and isn't she, since the whole incident in, uh, the grass ocean, uh, she's unable to have any more children, correct? Yes. Okay. That's correct. Have they, have they said that? Yes. I think they did. Yes. Yeah, so the, the witch, the witch from the, season the one. different witch. Yeah. From the season one, she said, said that, uh, you can have no more children anymore. I, I caused that to happen to you. The witch. So, okay. The witch. Yes. <laughs> um, but I will have to say one thing about this Dario guy. Um, I could see why he would go for this and say this to Danny because Danny just a couple of episodes ago basically fed someone to a dragon and, and thought it was hilarious. So she's not necessarily. Well, I don't know if she thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Well, she she kind of was was being a wise. She thought it was what needed to be done. She was setting an example. So we're not talking about someone that is necessarily just. And again, Tyrion said this again. This could be a check off moment where he said the prior episode. He goes, "What's so good about this Danny? She has never lived in Westeros. She can be. She's just her father and family are all." psychopaths there's no guarantee this woman will ever be a a good leader and it's this is stupid so and that conversation was said for some reason so it wouldn't surprise me if that and based off of what she did with the dragon based off of her wishy-washiness that she's I i don't that she's not going to the game of thrones well well i think it's the fact that she she has she's a young girl number one and number two she has right now a really bad advisor um, whose sole, uh, good feature is that I guess he has a penis. <laughs> um, if anybody can turn around, it's Tyrion. Right. So I think this is the significance of Tyrion coming to her. The, the, the thing with the dragon, she was, she was pissed that two of her closest advisors and, and at least, uh, and a good friend, uh, were attacked and one of them died by these people. And so she, she lashed out. You know, she chose a weird, chose a rather, rather weird form of execution. Yep. Um, but I don't know it's necessarily all that different, say, from what, uh, uh, Ned Stark did in the first episode when he executed the deserter. Well, a deserter versus, she couldn't prove that any of those quote unquote masters were behind, um, the murder of Selman Barrister. Right, and, and this is again. She, she, she's on. She's she's basically she's still on a learning curve, and 
you know, she's getting used. She did get rid of people, uh, somebody who was a slaver. We don't know what was going on entirely inside of her head. But, you know, hopefully it's don't make this, don't do that again. Because she quickly realized that was probably not the right thing to be doing. Uh, and then, and it's changed her tactic to marrying one of the people who plotted to kill. Well, we don't Harrison know. We, we don't know. Well, maybe. Right. Or might have. Right. And again, we can, we can't necessarily be putting in completely the, the 21st century standards of, uh, of the judicial system. Yeah. On, on, on these characters yet. So yeah, it's, uh, well, we'll, we'll see where it goes. And, uh, but this is why it's important that she goes to the fighting pits and sees the funny man. Right, 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 exactly. I, I, uh, well, I guess we should get right into that. So, which is basically she and her new fiance head to the fighting pits and she's kind of disgusted at what she sees. But before we get to that, we have to actually talk about Tyrion and Jorah and how they get to the, the fighting pits themselves because here's another lapse from the prior episode, in my opinion, which is that they make this whole scene, probably it appears now just for comic relief because it had nothing to do with what happens in future episodes, but they want the sell Tyrion's cock. And now, you know, and supposedly it's worth a lot of money because it's a dwarf cock and it has magic and blah, 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 blah. And we're supposed to laugh because it's a funny scene. And then the very next episode, he sold for two bits. Right. So you're upset we didn't get to see the cock merchant. Well, no, what I'm upset about is is that they set up this whole stupid scene, which was kind of funny, and then there's no payoff because it's, again, it's a continuity error because it's almost, or it seems like it, because the next episode they sell them off as a two-bit nothing. And yeah, I think you're looking valued. for stuff to pick on now. Yeah, I think the the per, the point of that scene was to give them a reason to not kill or abandon Tyrion. Well, they should have had a better, they should have had a better one then. Well, they had one that was funny and they liked it. And what and I imagine they got paid for more f- as a as a slave than they would have if they had taken him to a cock merchant. Having I do want to know if Theon is aware that there's cock merchants. <laughs> well, th- th- then this is the second problem with the scene too, is the um, the way that Jorah gets sold, and then the convenience that they have Tyrion get sold with them. Because it, it, you see, I've seen this in so many movies, TV shows, or whatever, where someone something happens, and then the other person goes, "Hold it!" But what about me? And it's like, well, that that's the that's the R two D two C three PO scene in yeah, Star Wars, right? Yeah. You know, it's R five D four blows up, and yeah, conveniently yeah. they get yeah. to stay together. It's a contrivance, no question. It's a contrivance. It's a cliche, and anybody wants to argue that uh, to to argue that that's a bad thing, and or or, or uh, it's unoriginal and uncreative. Okay, fine. Um, I don't know how exactly Tyrion finally won a fight. Um. Yeah, that was a little silly too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was, it was a bit of ugly stitching to move the scene along and keep the two together. Yeah, I, I, I won't disagree with that. All right, fair enough. So, um, if if there's nothing more to say about that, well, we, I guess we can talk about what happens at at the. Well, we the should pits, mention right? that. Well, okay. I thought you were moving to King's Landing. Uh, yeah, at the pits, uh, everybody's this slaver comes in and uh, wants all his guys to fight for the queen. Which is Danny. Danny's not enjoying watching this because she really doesn't 
like watching people fight to the death. And she goes to leave, but her, uh, her fiance stops her. Uh, and then Jorah just kind of comes storming out of the pits <laughs> when he realizes that Danny's in the audience, uh, and just kind of manhandles everybody else in the pits, uh, but manages to take everybody else out without killing them, uh, and then takes his helmet off to reveal who he is to Danny. Uh, and she's clearly not forgiven him yet because she says, get him out of my sight. And he's like, no, wait, I brought you a gift. And uh, Tyrion comes trotting out and he says, he has, I am the gift. I'm Tyrion Lannister. And that's the last we see of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so we'll see what, what uh, happens there. Yeah, and, 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 I thought it was hubris how she was disgusted at what she was seeing, which, to be honest, was disgusting because people were killing each other for sport, basically. Uh-huh. But then uh, just an episode earlier, she watched uh, a guy get ripped in half and eaten by dragons and then chopped off the head of a guy three episodes even before that. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, well, because that was that was Westerosi or whatever. That was justice, and certainly at the time, executing people was a common form of justice. This was people getting killed for sport and entertainment. Yeah, and so, but yeah, but in this, well, real, but I think I, she, I think she would. Okay, yeah, and and well, also it's also pointed that they're slaves. Yeah, right. These these are slaves being 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 taught to fight. These are not. Uh, Made to fight. These are not free men See, being made a, to fight. That's another thing that, that was confusing too is that she was there watching slaves fight, and yet she doesn't believe in slaves. And her fiance had said that we just want to open the, the fighting pits again where people volunteer. Well, and and I will agree that what that was confusing, Phil. I didn't quite understand that either. Yeah. Well, because this is the she has the fighting pits in Marine. But apparently, I guess there's there's more fighting pits that are outside Marine. So the Marine fighting pits, the ones within the walls of the city, and I don't think this was within the walls of the city. Well, that, then that's like far, in my opinion, because they should have just had her say, I will not go to any fighting pits except for free men fighting. And this was odd, because why would she leave the city and go to this this thing that she wouldn't even agree with? And... I don't know. It just seemed too. I don't know. I don't, I don't. Well, because she's learning, she has to suck up, and sometimes, accept, like happens in politics, you sometimes have to accept things that you don't like in order to get the things that you do. Right. And, but, and, and but it seemed to contradict completely, as, you know. And I think Eric will agree with me with what her fiance had said, which is, "We just want to open the fighting pits for, for free men." So why would they go into a fighting pit? That wasn't in there. Well, because they, they make clear yeah. that these are not the, the, the fighting pits in, in Marine, I think. You know, it's. Well, why would they? Uh, I don't know. Just, I guess it doesn't matter. It could be just in there. It doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm with Phil on this one. I, I don't it's, quite it's, understand it, it either. It's a little. It, it is. It, it's sort of like, you know, how do we keep Jorah and uh, Tyrion together? It's a bit of sloppy exposition uh, that probably could have been handled better. Right. All right, so, um, uh, so but, Mike, what was your opinion of this? Yeah, you're about to say all this stuff. Well, I was saying it's I could understand because I thought the fighting was you know not that much because this wasn't like you know exciting fighting. It was off. It was just guys kind of like street brawling, stabbing each other. Right. So is you know even if you were like amped up for fighting, these are not necessarily the best fighters, which is why they're I guess they're showing their uh, their skill or lack of skill. 
Right. Uh, you know, off before they get invited to the to the royal bout in Vegas. Well, and basically the slaver is is having them all kill each other to only have the most talented ones left. Right, a little bit of natural selection for you. And stu- the whole process is stupid, right? Because a lot of the deaths are just flukes. I mean, it's not even skill. Some of the murders and killings, right? It's like you just happen to be lucky that there's nothing uh, logical at all about any of this, Phil. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because fighting yeah. pits and slaves. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Mike, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. So it's um, you're right. It, it, it's not a great system, which. Which is why it doesn't necessarily last till today, uh, to the modern era, but it's, it's what people did for entertainment then. And the truth is, the best fighter probably did win, which of course is Jura. Right. Uh, but of course Jura, you know, apparently doesn't quite understand that, uh, no, you will not be forgiven for betraying your Khaleesi by beating up on a bunch of slaves. Even if you didn't kill them. Right. But, but the and, main thing was he's bringing the gift, which is the name right. of the episode. Exactly, and 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 I give them credit because the gift you can argue does apply to, in less obvious ways, many of the other uh, storylines. Yeah. In that you could certainly argue that Gilly gives Sam a gift. All <laughs> right. Um, Tae gives uh, Bron a gift. Well, that's for sure. Yeah, Bron gets a gift. Uh, you could. You could. Sorry, she's going to get a gift. She brings a gift. <laughs> Uh, she certainly brings a gift to, um. Marjorie. To Marjorie. Alright, so it, 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 it brings a gift to Elena. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and, and, and I think even Ramsey, you know, says, I'm gonna give you a gift yeah, to, right. um. He gives Sansa, to Sansa. woman. <laughs> alright, alright, so let's Here, get back. Dear. Let's get back to, to the Tyrion thing. So what, what's your opinion, guys, about Tyrion now being together with Danny? In other words, Danny is now part of the main story for the first time ever on the show because prior to this any contact besides Salomon Selmy Barrister or whatever his name is Barrister Selmy who was one time at Westeros and then came over this is her first interaction with a true main character from Westeros well I'm going to reserve judgment on this storyline for the time being because I'm a little confused as to what they're doing here uh, the series of events goes a little differently in the books. Uh, and theoretically, there's an event coming up that doesn't make sure sense for Tyrion to be here yet. Uh, and if they keep that event in the series, it's going to be really weird how they do it. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, that being said, I'm all about the power duo of uh, Tyrion and Danny. Uh, I want to see King's Landing burn. Now, Eric, um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, is it not true that Tyrion in the books has never made it to Danny yet? So, you know, I I don't remember him making it to Danny. I read something in the past week claiming that that happened. Okay. So maybe I forgot it. I don't know. And and also, though, there, there's a whole other storyline that has been excised, I've been told, from here, the Griff storyline, which was supposed to be the, the quote-unquote other Targaryen. And so who yeah. knows where they're going. So this is all new. This yeah, I, yeah new. I don't know where they're going with this. Yeah. And there's a fairly significant event that I thought was going to be happening soon in Marine. Uh, and now I'm not so sure anymore because it's going to be really weird if they do that while Tyrion's on site. 
Okay. That's uh, my, all I'm going to say. My opinion is, yeah, I'm not looking forward to this as much as you are because I don't like the Danny character. I've never liked that whole storyline. And now that Tyrion's there, it makes me worried that the... Don't like Andy, the hot chick with dragons? Yeah, not really. The fuck, okay. man. Um, but it now makes me worry that the Tyrion storyline may become the main storyline of the entire show. And that does not please me that much. Um, you don't like Tyrion either? No. What, are you a communist? I, no, I, let me rephrase that. Are you uh, pro Ramsey? What I'm worried about is I'm a big fan of Tyrion. Not as much as say Mike is, but I do like Tyrion and his character. But him now being with Danny worries me that the Danny storyline is going to be the main storyline of the whole show, and I don't like that storyline. You don't want her to win, basically. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Well, right, so what, he, he, he wants a he wants, disappointment. <laughs> he, what, what he wants is for Stannis' wife to sacrifice the daughter. Stannis executes his wife, takes Winterfell, marries Sansa, and takes the Game of Thrones. <laughs> Not not true, but but Mike, what, what's your opinion of this uh, now that that Tyrion is now with Danny? Uh, are you believing that Danny will just chop his head off or and burn him, or what do you think? Well, well, I did laugh to myself when you said, "Well, now she's the first time she joins up with the main storyline," and I'm wondering if isn't this is maybe the case of the fact that the other characters are finally meeting with the main storyline in the. Uh, you know, that Tyrion's becoming part of the main storyline. The question is, what is that, really the main story? That's a good um, and, you know, just like, you know, the Boltons were hiding around the background through the, you know, throughout season two before they stepped to the four in season four. Yep. Um, so, uh, the, you know, the, they, they like to do this. They like to, uh, or George Martin likes to do this to sow seeds that end up growing into big things when you were never, when you, when you weren't expecting them to. Um, I'd like to see where it goes. Excuse me. I'd like to see finally Tyrion get a chance to do his thing because he has been completely out of his element and without purpose for the entire season. And I think with Jorah, we'll see what happens with him. But am I, am I, uh, correct in not remembering any mention of the grayscale this episode? There was no mention. And they didn't show him like, you know, no scratching reference. his wrist nope, or okay. none of that. Nope. All right. So we'll see where that goes. Because it could just be, uh, you know, if he's dying anyway, who cares whether or not she gets forgiven? He's done his, his sacrificial act. Yep. In the end, he's done the main thing. He's there, which his entire purpose was, uh, was bringing a new advisor to Danny. Now that everyone that she had that she should, should be listening to is gone. Right. Yeah. So he could have just been a catalyst for creating this new quote unquote storyline. And therefore his character may just, they just may kill him off it, they might uh just just like they might end up killing and by the way i'm uh speaking of killing off i'm also a little concerned that they did have uh gilly ask sam to promise to take care of the baby after she's gone <laughs> um yeah again, that, that's, that's, an, that, that, that's another Chekhov's gun moment right you know it's yeah. uh uh-huh. so right now we're but then then again we all were kind of writing Braun off yep that's true so who knows what ends up happening but, um, yeah, so there, there are characters I'm definitely concerned for Jorah. I am definitely concerned for Gilly. Um, I, I'm concerned for pretty much everyone at this point except for Tyrion. But I I'm, I'm, would like to be able to see how Tyrion works as, a land, as, a, as an advisor that people – that somebody might actually respect and listen to. Now, th- th- this show would be awesome if they just 
had Danny killed Tyrion because no one would expect that. And that would be horrible. Out. That would be oh my god, that's unbelievable. They would lose uh, a lot of viewers. They would lose half of their audience if they did that. Ah, who cares? Anyway, the I people like- who cash the paychecks. And for that well, matter, P- that- Peter Dinklage, because he doesn't have to be confined to the convention circuit just yet. <laughs> That's true. But, 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 but again, you know, I don't want this show to become like The Walking Dead and, and have like certain characters have bullseyes and other ones have like uh, armor steel or gold around them that nothing will ever happen to them. So, well, uh, again, live with disappointment. Yeah, at some point, yeah, and then there, there you have to, you know, at some point they can't kill everybody off. And they've killed off, if you go back to the first episode or the first season of Game of Thrones, the idea that, you know, that Danny and um, Jon Snow might seem to be the characters with plot immunity uh, <laughs> probably would surprise you. So, we'll see. Because I'm, looking, I'm also at the, uh, looking at the characters in episode one here. Uh, Ned Stark, no longer with us. Robert Baratheon, no longer with us. Jamie Lannister, missing a hand. <laughs> Catelyn Stark, no longer with us. Cersei Lannister, well, we'll talk about her in a minute. Uh, Danny, we know what happened to her. Jura, we know what happened to him. Viserys, no longer with us. Jon Snow, he's up north. Sansa, we know what's happening to her. Arya, she's Washing dead people. Rob Stark, no longer with us. Theon Greyjoy, he's Reek now. Bran Stark, who cares? Joffrey Baratheon, no longer with us. Damn, I want Joffrey back. He was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and he would be cleaning up the mess in friggin' King's Landing. That, right that's true. Say what you will about Joffrey. Joffrey would not have put up with this shit from the Sparrows. Well, right, and, so that's and, and he, he always and he talked back to his mother all the time. He goes, shut up! If you do this again to me, I'll arrest you. He's actually said that. To, or behavior yep. or something. He said that to his mother. Yep. He was awesome. Now, yeah. Uh, we did not appreciate Joffrey when he was <laughs> Oh, I, I, I disagree. <laughs> I appreciate him just fine. He is, he is he is not any less of a monster now than he was before. Um, right. He's just he the monster we miss. That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into King's Land. This, this, this is like the, the best part of the whole show. Well, first of all, let's give props. Lady Olena just fucking rules. Oh my god, she's the best. She, she, she's the best. I know, Every time she's on screen, I just love her. Everybody talks about these... Oh, you know, this feminist bullshit and blah, 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 blah. She's the only character that everybody should point to when it comes to that because she is a real leader. She is smart. She plays the game. She knows, I mean, she's just the best character. And so I don't know why there's not enough focus on her character and they always focus on these others. Well, I think that's what they're trying to rectify this season. Yeah, because they got the Sans, they got Sansa and Arya, they got Danny. It's like, who cares about Well, well, because, because when you make an argument, it's easy to, to have selective memory and pick and choose the things that you you want to make that support your point and ignore the things that don't. And I think the truth is, when we talk about that the political issue, what they're really upset about is the the fact that women were in a shitty situation for most of the history of the world and largely in a lot of places of the world still are, and they're upset about that, and they should be upset about that and not the fact that Game of Thrones is reflecting that because we're too often used to seeing these things glossed over in our entertainment. 
Right. Yeah. Well, that's fair. All that's fair. But when they focus on on that issue, which is is right, right, because this is a certain error in time that they're portraying. It's basically the Middle Ages in a fictional world. But the thing is, is when they they complain about it, these folks out there who who have issues with how women are treated in the show or whatever, they always ignore friggin' Elena. And yet they com- always point to Danny and the Sand Snakes as these feminist heroes. And it's like, no, it's Elena. She well, but is- I'll also say that Elena has would point out that if she, you know, there was things that she could have done if she was a man that she can't do because she's a woman, that her hands are tied in some ways more I know, because of her I, gender. I don't understand how, how people who go... Feminist heroes, Danny. Feminist heroes, the Sand Snakes. When Queen Elena, the 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 Queen of Thorns, is the feminist hero, she is the one. And it, they they just forget about her. Is it because she's not that big of a character yet? Is she is is she only stepping forefront really this season as a main character? I don't know. I don't know what what they're thinking is. The folks and I also think a lot of the stuff she did, she did behind the scenes, and until she revealed that she killed Joffrey. Um, with working with Littlefinger, we don't really see her do much. We see her with her, uh, what was it, uh, Cersei said, her tart tongue, the tart tongued queen of thorns. That's right. So we know she had a tart tongue and she was really good with that tart tongue. She could do a lot of great tricks with that tart tongue, but we didn't necessarily, you know, she wasn't quote unquote doing stuff. And by the way, you could also point to Brienne as another one. Um, Right. Yeah, yeah, and there's other, and I and I know you don't like her, but I would have pointed to Caitlyn Stark. Uh, She's an but idiot. well, if Rob had done what she said, they would still be alive. No, um, if Rob doing what she said was basically not uh, killing Jamie Lannister when they should have just took his head off. Uh, that's another issue. You're right, but but yeah, we're not. Let's not talk about season three anymore. Let's go up to this episode. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. So. All right. It looks like the first one you get is uh, Lady Olena. Uh, was it meeting with Baelish, or was it meeting with the High Sparrow that happened first? Uh, High the High Sparrow first. Okay, so she meets with the High Sparrow, and this is the music conversation uh, because he's not afraid of her, and she's not used to that. Uh, she's basically like. Hey, what is this shit with you putting uh, the queen in jail? Knock it off, let her out. And he's like, oh, no. And she's like, well, what do you want? Do you want power? Do you want gold? I can make all that happen. And he's like, well, no, that's not really what I'm about. Uh, and she goes, well, what? how will you feel when I cut off the food that comes to King's Landing? And he's like, you know what? Whatever. Uh, and he basically, the high sparrow basically gives a, uh, uh, 99% speech. Uh, he's basically like, we are the many, you are the few, and when we stop being afraid of you, you'll see what happens. But then she has a, a legitimate point, and this is just straight out, nothing to do with, with, uh, the 99 versus the 1%. She simply comes out and finally says, says, you're arresting my grandson for a Boffin some pawns. Right. And then arresting my granddaughter because she's just lying to protect her brother. Right. Which is it was all legitimate. It's like it's like this is stupid. 
And, of course, because he's a religious fanatic, it doesn't matter to him. And he goes, nope, they broke the law against the, the seven. You read the, the book. And she goes, I have read it. Then she, he goes, well, then you should know that these, this is against the law, and therefore that's why they're going to jail or going to be executed or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen to them. And, well, they're on trial. And so she, she loses that battle. <laughs> We're not quite to execution yet. Right. So she loses both battles. She loses the battle for mm-hmm. um, the 99 versus the 1% argument, as you mentioned, Eric, because the threats don't scare him. And and she even threatens him by saying, and I'll let everybody know the reason why the food is cut off is because of you and the sparrow didn't care. And then the, just using common sense by, you know, all he did was, was have sex with some guy and the, and the, the system was protecting him. Didn't matter either because she loses the religion card too. Well, it's to be fair, what they did, I'm I'm assuming, uh, were sins in the in the as outlined in the book, and certainly perjuring themselves at a trial. Now, uh, again, you could we we could go. There has been certain recent issues in the last twenty years about certain people perjuring themselves over sexual matters during a trial. Um, that that caused quite a division in the country. He makes some very legitimate points, as does she. Um, but a lot of it just comes down to what is your particular worldview, what is your take, and it doesn't necessarily matter that he's a religious fanatic in this argument. Um, it will matter, and I think, in how he handles it, because well, what is the punishment for for buggering a ponce? <laughs> right. And what and and what is the punishment? For lying to protect your, well, two two good vocabulary words to you. I like them both. Um, yes, they are. And, and like like now, Eric, like for example, Eric, you saw you saw what we do in the shadows. Yeah, right. So the, one of the vampires commits a crime and has to go through a trial of shame. Right. Um, <laughs> which, as bad as it sounds, is actually kind of funny. Right. Uh, you know, is that what happens here? Is it just like naughty, naughty, um, or is or like are they going to well, pluck their eyes out? Are they going to murder them? That's What's a good point that you brought that up because uh, that's what um, Cersei's will ask later. What will the punishment be? Or it may have even been Elaine who asked it as well, and, and he won't say. And he won't say. He just says oh, uh, it depends on the individual, the crime. Um, how you know, and a couple other things like when it happened, and the level of the level of contrition and so forth. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, like look, if they were Catholic, it would be I buggered a punt. Okay, say three male, three Hail Marys, and two Our Fathers, and 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 go say nice things to your mother. Um, you know, that would be about it, right? It's um. Well, well, for example, anybody though, if they're going to be threatened with violence or or something, could will you know how everybody will? It's always this phrase is you can torture someone as much as you want. And they're going to say any, anything you want to hear just to get out of it. And, and so it means nothing. It's like the Spanish Inquisition. Right. So, you know, it's, so really the, the big thing here is, of course, well, what happens with Cersei later? And we'll talk about that. Um, but we don't know. And, the, and really, if it's – you have to assume it's not going to be anything good because if it was just a case of, well, you're going to go to bed without your supper – then they probably wouldn't be having her, uh, Marjorie sitting in a shit covered cell, uh, wearing rags, right? I mean, it's. Right. Uh, unless maybe that is her punishment. You have to, uh, sit and well, contemplate. She hasn't even had sins. her trial yet. Right. Right. So, right. And that, that's where 
I, again, I would end up taking issue. I don't think, you know, there, there was a point to be made. They, they, she, especially she did perjure herself. Um, it, was, it, what's, it, what's, it, what's the justification? Right. And right. then the argument is at, at one point, people always have good reasons to perjure themselves. Um, that's why they perjure themselves. Nobody perjures themselves because they just didn't feel like perjuring themselves because they're trying to avoid trouble for themselves or somebody that they are trying to protect. But, but the law uh, the, the, even legitimate in the first place, Mike, because, again, well, uh, if you, you aren't a, a believer of the seven and you're a believer of the old gods of the north, then... Well, she got married in the Temple of the Seven, so she's made reference to the Seven, I think, I think officially as a member of the royal family. It's sort of like, you know, saying is Prince uh, Charles an Anglican, you know, uh, uh, it, it, kind of, it kind of goes with it. They're breakfast Catholics or whatever it's called. What's the term? <laughs> uh, cafeteria Catholics. <laughs> yeah, cafeteria Catholics. It doesn't matter. It's, come on. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Where the hell are we now? Um, oh, okay. So, so what so, happens So, is, Elena and Littlefinger. Yeah, because what okay. happens is, is she, Elena leaves and then she gets a note from one of the Kingsguard or something with a, um, a mocking jay or mocking bird or something on on a one of those parchment papers, so she knows mm-hmm. that Baelish, that's Baelish's uh, house symbol, basically. Right. So meet up. So she goes and meets him at uh, one of his brothels, and she's none too pleased about having to be in that place. Uh, and they talk about some stuff, and basically, I mean, at this point, she's flustered because she's not used to not being able to bully people, and this high sparrow won't be bullied. And uh, she's pretty sure that Baelish had something to do with it, and she's all pissed at him and basically tells him, look, it, we we should inspire together to kill King Joffrey. If I'm going down, you're going down with me. Uh, and then he's like, oh, no, uh, I I did that because I had to. I couldn't defy Cersei or else bad things would have happened. I had no choice. But I have information for you, too. Yeah, and her instincts not to trust Littlefinger are dead on. Yeah, but in this case, she's completely off pace because he has no clue what the hell she's doing. <laughs> what do you What do you mean, Mike? Explain. In other words, she thinks, right? So, oh, as soon as the shit hits the fan in, in, in King's Landing, you came running back, right? She's thinking that he's somehow involved in all this and tied up in all of it, and he's he, he's not for once. This is this is completely beyond. Sure. Yeah. yeah, this is completely Cersei's. It's completely beyond what what he was expecting to do. Uh, that would and doesn't fit in his plans at all. Right. No, that's true. And and that's the thing is that um, uh, Elena kind of. I, I I guess I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe she did figure it out. But but all in all, let's let's talk about the audience, us. Did everybody figure this out? I thought about this the day the Sparrow was introduced. I knew Cersei's was doomed specifically for what was about to happen because Lancelin, or whatever his name is, Lancelin, mm-hmm. Lannister, they bring him back. They have him become this loser. Uh, <laughs> loser. Tell, yeah, tell us how you really feel there, Phil. <laughs> oh, yeah. Piece of garbage. And basically getting people arrested for bugger- buggering ponces. <laughs> All right, and I'm thinking, I can't not laugh when you say that. I, well, as Mike said, they're two damn good funny words. But the problem is, is that I knew, 
and and I, I assume Eric, you did because you read the books because I, I right. think this spots in the books. But Mike, did you did you see this coming? It was so obvious because there's well, Lance and the guy that banged Cersei's. He, she's a cousin, but that's not and that's not coming. A, a member of the Sparrows community, and this is what I had to I had to remind myself of. Yeah, we focus because it's it's Cersei and remember Jamie and remember therefore her boffing Lancel. That's not to me. I don't think that's going to be the 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 main thing, though it is a thing. Um, she also conspired with Lancel to kill Barath- Robert Baratheon. Oh, that's a good one. Lancel is the one that got him drunk off his ass and killed by a boar. And and they showed. That as a preview in one of the prior episodes, meaning another Chekhov gun, right there. That's so it is. So I don't know how buggerphobic some people in Westeros are, <laughs> especially um, Ponsus, especially or Ponsphobic. But <laughs> I'm 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 fairly certain that killing the the king and and then putting your own bastard child on the throne in his place. Mm-hmm. Is going to likely be seen as a worse offense. And uh, talk about and remember this: you know, contrition matters. If there's any one person on this show that seems completely incapable of contrition, it's Cersei. It is Cersei Lannister. So I don't think that's going to be able to get her out. Now, Mike, um, let, me ask, let me ask you this though: even if that crime is brought up by Lance, and again, that's that's a huge crime. Does it even matter? Because, as we saw, just lying to protect your your brother, who is also arrested for uh, buggering a ponce. If and they're in jail and shit and all this other stuff, as we discussed, that's enough to take her down. So even if it's worse, I, I don't know if it really matters because once you're down, you're taken down, you're taken down, right? I mean, but and, well, and another point I want to make up. Sorry to interrupt you, Mike. But another point I want to make up is that Lancelin gets to do the contrition and he's all but forgiven even though he's a cult loser piece of garbage <laughs> while while Cersei's is not going to be forgiven especially as you mentioned she probably won't be so is that also fair in this world or any world about man how a man and a woman is treated or is this even not a man and a woman issue at all and it's just someone that is a loser that that says forgive me and, and someone that says fuck you it's not a man and woman issue Okay. Yeah, I, I I haven't read the the book of the seven or whatever it's called, um, their Bible. I've not read that, so I don't know where it stands on forgiveness, on buggery, on perjury, uh, <laughs> on, on regicide, on poncing. No, I don't know where it stands on any of those things. <laughs> um, I'm I, I, and I'm going to say, and I will say this for the the High Sparrow. I believe at least. Until we get a revelation otherwise, I do kind of believe he's sincere. Um, there are certain people out there who seem to think that the highest crime of all crimes is hypocrisy. Uh, well, the problem is, you know, it's, you can be sincere and follow your beliefs, but if they're fucked up beliefs, um, that isn't necessarily a good thing. Right. So here, I, and, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, this guy who's making very good points about a great many things. But especially with a modern sensibility, you know, things like putting people in jail for buggery, uh, you know, don't necessarily sit right with me, but I imagine wouldn't be seen quite so negatively. Uh, cause remember in the United States, in most states, buggery was, a lot of states was illegal. 
Yeah, so a lot of them. And some, and some, and some, you could argue it still was. And they had this, what was it, about 10 years ago or so that they had a Supreme Court case yeah. over, over, you know, uh, whatever it was. It was Smith versus Buggery or something like that. <laughs> um, Stop it. <laughs> and 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 going and they had the Supreme Court trying to argue whether or not it was constitutional to outlaw buggering another man uh, in the privacy of your own home. So and that was ten years ago. This is not in the Middle Ages. Uh, but yeah, I imagine whatever's going to happen to Cersei. See, like I think Lancel, you know, probably went now as a Catholic and someone's raised a Catholic. You know, I believe in the, the idea, the power of forgiveness and the power of contrition and the idea that you can be forgiven for your things. But of course, the Catholic Church is not the Church of the Seven, so I don't know where they stand on that. But I could certainly see Lancel, who is this, uh, was a very young man, you know, kind of stuck into the center of power, you know, being used by the Queen. Right? I can see why, you know, he would go and weep and cry and beg for forgiveness. And who knows what he had to do as an act of contrition that we didn't see happen off screen over these last couple of seasons. So he, so he may have had whatever his punishment was. I suspect, however, that the High Septon has known or the High Sparrow has known all along what Cersei is. Um, right. but, but has never had the power to do anything. And when he realized what she was doing, had no problem playing along with her, knowing full well he had this card in his back pocket. And this is why Cersei is so fucking stupid. Because she gave him the power to then take her down. Yes. And he's trying to create his little caliphate, for lack of a better term. I don't know if he has any respect for consideration for Tommen or where he stands in terms of uh, politics in general. You know, is he trying to take over the city for himself? Or is it the fact that, he's, that maybe he is sincere and simply not wanting the people running the city, the people in power, to be corrupt individuals? In which case, it's going to be a long, long, dirty work that he's got to do. But oh, right? Because let's know. be honest. He could, he could be himself, even if he thinks he's right or whatever. He's he himself is as bad as those that he's taking down. In a sense. He Actually, might be. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how far he goes, and we see what he does. Because really, he's the the worst thing he's done at this point is put uh, is arrest Loris and put Marjorie and Loris that's in prison. True. That's not true. The worst thing he's done has uh, been murdering numerous homosexuals and prostitutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's without, true. That's a fair point. Any trial without any trial. So did they did they see them? Did, were they murdered? Yeah, we we, we see the Ponts watch <laughs> two, two of the the homosexuals be murdered. Okay, all right. So there, that's a fair point. All right, so I take that back. And that's how the um, and I believe that's how they get the Ponts to to <laughs> the ponts to fess to, up uh, to fess up exactly. Um, all right, so I have a feeling we're going to be watching the end of the Lannister family. Uh, yeah, you could be right. Because we'll I think, find out. well, once, once so Cersei fun. gets outed, all right, once Cersei gets outed, assuming she does, um, cause that, and it's a, if she's outed for everything that she's done, that destroys Tommen's power. Yep. Because he gets outed as a bastard. We know the prophecy that was given to her, what was it? Was it in the first episode of the season? Yep. You know, about the shrouds of gold. So that could end up killing <laughs> her. 
Um, or it could be the, killing him rather. Yeah. Um, and she, whether she survives or not, doesn't matter because she'll be disgraced. And you know that will leave sort of Jamie in the position he's in. But they will never have power in King's Landing again. Uh, who knows who the actual head of the family is going to be? Kevin I'm didn't seem so I'm bad. I still think the Sand Snake's going to kill Marcella. I wouldn't be surprised because that would, again, help fulfill the prophecy. And yep. certainly that – because the truth is, if we look at the Lannisters that we know of, all right, Lancel was an idiot and he was abused. Right, he was used. Tyrion's pretty good. Uh, we saw Kevin Lannister. He seemed fine. And Jamie. Given half a chance, hasn't turned out to be such a bad guy. It was basically Tywin and Cersei. So maybe when they're gone and off the board, oh, and Joffrey, of course, um, maybe the, the, the Lannister family won't won't be so bad. It'll probably just be severely weakened. Instead of being the most powerful family in Westeros, it'll probably revert to the Tyrells. Right. Um, well, and, and 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 to be honest, uh, Elena, Elena, as we know, said last episode that Tyrion she didn't trust. But she could respect him, meaning he was a legitimate leader and and person that could bring stability. So his death, you could argue that he wasn't all that bad, because no, he wasn't a nice guy. He was ruthless, right? And he wasn't all that great to his children. But my point is that they aren't necessarily all complete scumbags. They aren't necessarily all assholes. He just had to be a really competent asshole. Um, so I, I could see that this being the end of the Lannister family. And that as a would, major force, yeah. As a major force, and what that's going to do. Now we don't know what's going to happen in episode nine, but I'm, yeah, st- I'm still, I'm still, I'm, st- I'm still going with the red-haired woman, Eric. <laughs> She's a witch, saying that Stannis will sit on the throne. So this could be the opening he needs. That she creates a power vacuum, or the the sparrows create a power vacuum, to which Stannis will be able to step in. But of course, then you're going to have a problem because he's not a follower of the Seven anymore. Which is a smart thing because it appears the Seven are a bunch of assholes, just like the Red Witch. Is. <laughs> well, so, the Seven were doing just fine until this particular sect came along. Yeah, that's you know, just as you could point out, if you go back, you know, uh, you know, to a certain point in history, you the Middle East was the flourishing civilization. And that it stopped being one, you know, but it's, you know, not every religion, it's necessarily the religion that's the problem. It's how particular sects and groups interpret it. Right. You know, the Catholics had their little inquisition and then, and then we moved on. Right. Um, no, that, that's, that's fair. Um, so yeah, that's the question. Is King's Landing, assuming your idea or point is correct, Mike, that Stannis does get there and yet isn't a follower of the seven, two things. One, Will the people accept someone that doesn't follow the, the seven, assuming King's Landing is a progressive and multicultural city? And two, <laughs> that's assuming a lot. That's probably true. And the two is Stannis open minded enough now that he's on the throne to tell the witch to go pound sand. She's a witch because, <laughs> because now he doesn't need her to go off killing all the quote unquote heretics like she always wanted to do. And Especially if she ends up killing her daughter, because I, I have a bad feeling that that's going to happen with, because we know, remember, Stannis' wife yep. was all fine with him uh, having sex with 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 the Reddit with Melisandre, Eric. Hmm. 
as I said, Stannis's wife was all fine with him having sex with Melisandre. Okay, if you say so. Eric? No, I said Melisandre. Eric, come on. <laughs> She's a witch! Thank you. Okay, so, and she said it because she has faith in her, she has this blind faith and blind devotion, and they've mentioned it a couple of times, and now the red-haired woman wants to sacrifice her daughter, who we know she isn't necessarily as fond of as Stannis is. Right. So I can very easily see uh, something very unfortunate happening and Sir Davos. So Phil, will you still root for Stannis if he sacrifices his own daughter? I don't I don't think he will. I think it's going to be That something. wasn't my question. <laughs> will uh, you still root for Stannis if he sacrifices his own daughter uh, to the witch? No, I, I won't. And but I also would be disappointed in the showrunners and I'll explain why because it's out of character. Okay. It would, be, it would be like left field. It would be like, I'd, you know, um, uh, Cersei suddenly becoming a smart leader. Where, <laughs> right. where the hell did that come from? You know, it, it, it doesn't fit the character. It, it would depend on how it was done. I can't imagine an easy scenario in which, like, next episode, Stannis could accept his daughter being sacrificed. Right. I, if, if certain events happen along the way, maybe... But it would have to be really extreme for, I think, for him to greenlight it. I think it's more likely that the red-haired woman would do it without his permission. That's that's wouldn't surprise me. But here's the thing. The witch is telling him that he can't win without her, right? Is she right? If he refuses to sacrifice his daughter, is he giving up his chance to the throne? Possibly. It it could be... something set up for that. You're absolutely right. So he keeps his honor rather than the throne. Um, and that's a possibility. Um, but also I could see, as Mike said, where, especially now that they set up a wedge between him and the witch, because she suggested this, you know, you know, at least some blood. I don't know what she's truly suggested. We don't really know. And Santa said, go pound Santa, get the hell out of my sight. Mm-hmm. There's a wedge now, and I could see her just going off and trying to do it, or actually even doing it without his permission. Well, I have to think if this was, you know, we just need a pinprick or a leech, because he does say something about the leeches. Yeah. I imagine if that was all there was to it, yeah. that Stannis would have been, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Um, she's, she's a tiny little girl, not a lot of blood in the body. They're, you know, they may need more than she can afford to give. Sure. Now, this is coming up, so we'll, we'll discuss those scenes in f- future episodes of the podcast. So let's just talk about Cersei's and what happens to her now. So we set up where we find out Baelish sets her up by giving Lady Elena her revenge, which is Lance Lynn. But again, I don't even know if that was much of a revenge because you figure the Sparrow already knew all this stuff from Lancelin anyway. Well, and so, maybe that wasn't what he gave her. Oh, oh, so it could be something else. Maybe he oh. gave her the knowledge that, uh, yeah, uh, oh, Joffrey and Tommen are illegitimate, incestuous bastards, which uh, might even be worse in the eyes of the church. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Hmm. All right, all right. So we're going to find that out in a future episode. So... Let's just talk about the last scene and Cersei's great line, which was, I think was the best line of the, the, the episode. But fuck uh, Cersei and the horse she rode it on. All right, let's talk about it. Let's, let's 
what happened. So, <laughs> the, so the, the guy, Sparrow, brings her to this old temple and talks about, uh, um, well, no, 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 no. She goes to visit Marjorie in jail. Oh, yeah. That's right. Just to be a bitch and rub it in her face. Uh, <laughs> there was also a scene, uh, I just wanted to point this out. There was a scene earlier where she was talking with Tommen and Tommen throws a shit fit basically about how he's the king, but his wife is in jail and he loves her and he can't do anything. And now he's going to start a war. And, uh, she tells him, has some balls there for a second because he goes, I'm going to kill them all. And then, then she says something like, yeah, but then you'll start a war. And he goes, yeah, I guess I won't do anything. <laughs> yeah. What she says is, we know who the first casualty of that war will be. Right. right. And, and that, right. well, but he's also probably right in that it's, you know, there's a good chance the first casualty of the war would be the woman he's trying to save. Yeah. And th- if you think about it, that's, that, that same logic, you know, was governing Stannis, you know, not Stannis, uh, Tywin, when, cause it was, what do we do? Because we can't do this, cause then they'll kill Jamie. Right, that's a good point. Right, and, and so this is something that matters. Now, admittedly, Tywin was more concerned with family and legacy, and Tommen is more concerned with little Tommen. That's right. Um, so, but it's still, it's the same basic principle, is that you can't just rush off to a war when you don't have the power. And this goes all the way back again to that story by Varys, that power resides where people believe it resides. And at this point, the people believe it resides with, with the High Sparrow. And that's exactly what the High Sparrow was basically telling Lady Olena, which is that, you know, you do what you think, but people have more faith in me right now. There are more of us than there are of you. And if she tries starving them, it'll be a lot e- – she can say, well, everyone will know who's responsible. And he's, his basic implied answer is, yeah, I'm going to let them know it's you. Right, and they'll turn on you. You don't do the farming. You don't make the food. You can try doing whatever you want to do, but I'll turn the people against you, and then you'll have nothing. (laughs) But that is what I wanted to mention. What I wanted to mention is that during this scene with Tommy and Tommy and Cersei, she talks about how he'll never understand how much she loves him until he has children of his own. And she loves him so much and she would never do anything. She never let any harm to come to him. Um, yeah. Yeah. What at the Blackwater? Wasn't she about to feed him poison? Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, but you did under. I just started laughing when she delivered that line. I was like, "Wait, you what? Okay." Well, but do you understand why she was feeding him the poison? Well, she killed him. She she was doing a goal. Yeah, she was basically saying. Now, this is, makes a little bit more sense for the for the ladies in the crowd. Um, but it's the, under the assumption that that once you get once you lose something like that. That they will still, that he would end up being slaughtered because they want to make sure that there's no heirs to challenge the throne. Right. Uh, and, and she, and she like was just doing it. The, the Tsar, right? And all his children throw him down the well. Right. She was trying to do a, a more humane murder <laughs> of her child. Okay. Sorry. Uh, that, 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 poisoning, that would... poisoning somebody counts to me as doing harm. Well, you know, again, she's, Given the circumstances to her, it would, Whatever. It would be better. It would she be better than letting him. it. She was gonna poison him. I'm just Bad saying, mother. Bad mother. I'm just saying in her mind that's how it works. 
No, I, okay. I, see, I see. I see both points. I mean, it's it's a valid point because what's going to happen is they're going to throw him down the well like Lenin did to the Tsar and all of his children. But again, though, it's still pretty grotesque. Even if uh, your point is there, Mike, and I think that's what. Well, it is. A, it is again a grotesque world. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's get to the last scene. Uh, we can say that. Uh, Cersei's is still manipulating her son, and um, and so after that scene, she goes and visits the Sparrow. And yeah, so she goes, and after she's a total bitch to Marjorie in jail, uh, she's all feeling her oats and goes to the Sparrow about how the accommodations seem fine, and uh, and she kind of she kind of asks if the the punishment might be lighter if they confess. Um, and he used that vague answer that's not really an answer. Oh, and she's a, ooh, what she says, she goes, she goes, I, I'm hoping it's the correct punishment. And I, that means more than just, you know, a slap on the hand and you're forgiven. Uh-huh. Well, well she her- might change her mind because then what happens is the, the spirit tells her, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Lancel signed up with the program here and, uh, while he was, uh, confessing all of his sins yeah you were in there we know some stuff about you uh guess who's getting thrown in prison now and you had that really weird moment where because they're having this whole conversation and then he's and then he talks about the history of the sept and Baylor's sept and how he built it and yet you got the foundation is solid and stripped of all its pomp and circumstances and so on and so forth and then he tells the story of the young man who comes in and then in steps uh steps Lancel and she realizes she's screwed and I'm just thinking so he was sitting there the whole time just kind of waiting for his cue how did they set that up <laughs> it's like okay you're good you're gonna hide there Matter Wait for me to the say scenes. this young man yes it's a matter of staging it's one of those things where yes it was a cool moment in the show but I was like, wait a minute, hold on. But he just he just sat there and waited and waited. It's sort of like, you know, in the in a horror movie where you know somebody kind of jumps out and you realize that in the real world the person would have been like standing three feet to their left and wouldn't have surprised them at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just <laughs> um, no, but there is this there is this great moment uh where Cersei starts to realize what the deal is. Oh, I uh, she yeah, she has a great facial expression <laughs> at that moment where she's just like, because up till then she's been all happy and cheery, and uh, this religious guy is talking kind of weird, but she'll peel it up with it because uh, he's her buddy now because he threw everybody she hates in jail. And uh, oh, oh, wait, uh, bye. <laughs> Right now, here's my question: What do you really think her 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 goal was? Because I think her main concern was one: make sure she didn't have to marry Lancel, or not Lancel. Um, yeah, uh, the the Loras, Loras, right? She she didn't have to marry Bugger, the Bugger, and, and to to sort of mock and humiliate Marjorie and diffuse her power somewhat. I don't know well, if get she her was, claws out of her son. Right. I don't know that her intent, I don't know that she cared one way or another necessarily. I don't know that she was intending that serious harm came to them. Actually, to be honest, I think she wanted them executed because with her conversation with the Sparrow in this scene, and when she's asking what the punishment will be, 
she could have said something like, well, show us some mercy and, and hopefully they've learned their lessons, but she doesn't. She says something like, uh, let's have the punishment be what we think it should be. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Let's, you know. <laughs> well, which is why I don't think she really cares. Oh, no, I, I got it where she was saying, you know, like, off with the head type stuff. That's what she Okay. Does. That's my I kind of took it the same way. Yeah, so me and Eric thought it was, was she was saying, yeah, let's get kill them, get them out of here. Which and I think is a little severe for perjury. But but you'd be honest, <laughs> whether it's, it's severe for, for buggering Ponces and perjury, I still think this is the type of character she is because she wants to eliminate her enemies any way she can, whether it's Robert Baratheon. Well, and this is why she you know, sucks at the Game of Thrones is because... What Tyrion and Tywin always realized is that uh, you need to have allies to maintain power. Uh, and she does not get that. She thinks killing everybody around her would give her the power, and that's not the case. But uh, to be honest, though, in the real world, meaning our world, like what we see in North Korea or Iran or whatnot, they do their yearly purges. And it seems like it's been very successful. So... I could see oh, in this yeah. world it would be fairly successful as well, but for some reason when it comes to Cersei's, it never is because she's an idiot. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so in North Korea they recently... The story is that Cersei is an idiot. Yeah, and North like, Korea I think recently put their, uh, I think they yeah. beheaded their Minister yes. of Defense or something because he fell asleep at a meeting. Wow. Uh, okay, that's a little severe. Yes. Yeah, it was a little bit, yeah. Um... And therefore, it was a disrespect to what's his face, um, Kim Il, so, Kim on Sun or whatever. Uh, I, yeah, I forget uh, the, yeah, the, the kid's name. Uh, UN. It's not Sung or I um, know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so, the guy from the, the guy from the movie. Yeah, yeah. Not not not, but anyway, not the movie this with is the about Game of Thrones. Yeah. So so yes. what what happens then is she gets arrested by these. These warrior nuns that are basically the same size. <laughs> they man. are warrior nuns, aren't they? Yes. Well, they they're, they're they're the silent sisters, right, or something like that. Uh huh. But, 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 they're the same, but they're the same size as Brienne. That's my point. Basically, yeah. Or, yeah. or at least that one was probably chosen for that reason. Yeah, you're right. And and then Cersei comes up with the best line of the show, in my opinion. Even if Eric doesn't care because he hates Cersei, which I do too. However, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Cersei's is my friend right now because I hate these religious coups. And what she says is, look at me because um, what you see is the last thing you're going to see. Or you're going to. My face is the last thing you'll see before you die. Yeah, that was awesome. Because she's going to kick ass and kill them all. No, she won't. Yeah, okay. We'll see. Oh, I hope she she kicks ass. I I hope she doesn't. And, and, and in my experience, very often the enemy of my enemy is is still a fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> well, that's so. True. But but that was an awesome line, and that made me go, yeah. At least for me, anyway. Yeah, well, I was because just it's happy to see her get thrown in prison. It's Cersei, and you know what? I I have no faith in her ability to do anything. She brought all this on herself. She has it coming. And I hope she think, rots. Now, Lena, Lena Headley is, is a very attractive woman. Do you think she will look as good as Marjorie did without makeup and, and, and sitting and shit? We'll find out. Well, no, I think she's, well, uh, there's a, there's a little bit of a difference in appearance. 
in styles of looks, and I tend to find the Marjorie style a little bit more attractive than the uh, Lena Headley look. Uh, Lena Headley's also a little bit older, uh, so not that there's anything wrong with that, but it also often takes a little bit more work, shall we say? All right, well, yeah, yeah. But you know what, Mike, if, whether you walked into a room with Lena Headley or whatever Marjorie, the actress that plays her, in and you walked into a room with either room on your arm. I think both people, most people would be jealous anyway. So whether you, I think my wife would be a little pissed to be honest with you, but that's, uh, what's that? I think Pam would be a little pissed to be honest with you, but, um, yes, yes. I would think your wife would be, but my point is, uh, but assuming that wasn't a situation. Yes. No, it's, uh, I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't kick either one out of bed. And the truth is Lena Headley is much more appropriate for my age. Um, but no, I think it would be easier for her to look much worse. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. As Mike, as Eric, you said, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm really interested to see where, uh, where things are, that are headed with some of the differences in the story here. Right, right. Yeah. And, and now that we only have, uh, three episodes left, uh, I'll be curious to see how many of these storylines they'll actually close up versus leaving them as cliffhangers at the end of the season. Well, I'm also curious to see if they try and line it up with the end of book five. Um, yeah. Because who knows when book six is coming out. They could just start running with the story before book six even comes out, uh, which is really going to upset book readers. Right, right. And as we discussed, um, this is not a um, true adaption of the series of books. It is... Um, one type, one adaption of the series of books. No, but I'm willing to bet that if they do pass where book five ended, there will be spoilers in the TV show for the books. Yeah, I think you're right because of, of and that's why they'll be upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. Um, so which there actually has been a couple, right? Because uh, um. Uh, Joe Jin is, is dead and he's not dead in the books. And then again, they changed whole storylines where Barrister Selmy is dead and he is not dead in the books. Right. And he's actually more of an important character in the books, it appears, based off of that storyline because they wouldn't have killed him off here if he, if, um, if they thought he was going to be important in, in the TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, uh, any further things on episode? Seven, the gift. Anyone? Cersei's a bitch. She totally had it coming. Hope she rots. All right. Um, sounds good. And uh, I did have to say that the the scene with Bronn and uh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> you and just like, like boobs, Phil. We all know you like boobs. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Mike, your final thoughts? Final thoughts? Uh, bo- boobs are fine. Uh, I I like the political intrigue stuff, so I I'm really curious to see how this all culminates. I've kind of given my predictions for what's going to be happening. Those are non-spoilery guesses informed based on what I've seen. Um, so uh, and I'm I'm mostly afraid of dead Gilly at some point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just curious. As to how long the wait will be. So, uh, will we get, um, I, I'm guessing episode nine is going to be the assault on Winterfell. 
but does that mean that we have to wait till episode 10, which see what happens with Cersei, or are we going to get that in episode eight? Um, I don't know. I don't, I'll be curious. We know that we're going to end up in, um, the, the, up in the, the far north again, above, beyond the wall. But beyond that, I'm not really sure. Well, and I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see where they decide to take Arya's storyline to before the end of the season. And I am kind of waiting for Tyrion to look at Danny and say, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> you did what and why? This makes sense to you? But no, maybe he'll think. slap her like he did with Joffrey. That wouldn't be so bad. But it has to be playful because we don't want to upset the feminists. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't care what Danny thinks because she hates the Lannisters. But you know what? No matter how scumbaggy the Lannisters can sometimes be, they killed that bastard that was going to burn the city down. Ned Stark? <laughs> no, the no, the, 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 king. The, the bad king. <laughs> I know. You, you mean Little Egg? Little Baby little Egg? egg. The little Baby Egg. Baby Egg? Yes. So, Danny, your family's a bunch of losers, so F you. <laughs> Right, they they only ruled Westeros for a thousand years. Yeah, well, and just like most dynasties, they they um, became feeble and corrupt and evil. Uh because one guy goes and burns some people <laughs> <laughs> and, and kills Ned Stark's brother. <laughs> the right, who has the right to do that? Oh boy. All right, so uh, that will wrap up the episode. So this is, uh, once again, You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. You can find the feed on iTunes and Stitcher. And we're also under the Dark Discussion podcast feed, which also is on iTunes and Stitcher. And so with that, I guess, Eric, you can lead us up. All right. Thanks for tuning in this week to listen to us talk about Games of Thrones. Come back next week. There will be more buggery and ponces. (laughs) 